Hey, we're actually recording audio now. Hey, awesome. <laughs> Excellent job, producer. <laughs> Yay! Oh, God, that's, that's always fun. Like, you start recording, and I'm like, oh, wait. Since we have so many input devices, I forgot one. Oh, uh, it's okay. <laughs> Maybe we'll, we'll write down a checklist for you. Yeah, right. All right, so this is Film for Thought, and what we're looking to do is kind of go through the uh, Oscar winners through uh, from the beginning. So Oscar started in 1928, and we're going to talk about, after we watch, uh, we're going to talk about the best feature film winner, and also Tony and I will each pick one of the runners-up to watch, and we'll kind of figure out, did the Oscars get it right? Did they actually pick the right winner, or do we disagree? Uh, our opinions don't really matter, but hey, we're going to give them anyway. <laughs> uh everybody's got one exactly and none of them matter uh <laughs> but we're also going to go through the box office winners for that year uh so we'll watch uh whatever movie got the greatest box office for the year and again tony and i will pick one of the other top five top ten and we'll watch all those give our thoughts of those as well and then the end idea is to talk about, did the Oscars actually get it right? Because it seems the Oscar Best Feature Film winner never matches what all of us are going to see in the theaters. Uh, so we're going to give our, our two cents on all that. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I, I, it's, this was a, a fun uh, thought experiment. Well, not a thought experiment, but a fun thing that you when you presented it to me. Because like you said, I, I agree that a lot of times what ends up winning the most awards is not necessarily what most people went to go see. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, going through, it took forever to actually create the, the list of all of them going on yeah, sure. Wikipedia and all these different searches online and whatnot. I think there's like a home box office website. I think I went through too. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, very, very rarely. I only remember one time where the best feature film winner was also the box office winner. There may have been more of those, but the only one that comes to mind, I think, was The Sound of Music. There there were a few that kind of lined up with, with what won awards versus, I, I don't recall, at least off the top of my head, one that also led the box office. But there was, I want to say there was one, maybe two. Because, like, um, Gone with the Music, I think, was in there somewhere. Um, Gone with the Music? Or, sorry, um, Sound of Music. <laughs> sorry. Gone with the Music. That's yeah, a nice Gone one, with too. the Music. We combined the Gone two. The music. <laughs> um, it's... <laughs> We're not seeing the Gone South. with the Wind. <laughs> yeah, no, I've Gone with the Wind and The Sound of Music. I am um, two separate films, obviously, in two different years, but they, I think they were um, both won awards and were in the total like top ten box office draws that year. Yeah. Sorry, a little crunch of ice there. <laughs> <laughs> little little. I was uh, like, how do I get rid of that without making a bunch of crunching noises? That's, into that's, the that's mic. a little something for the <laughs> ASMR fans. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's <laughs> <That's> so creepy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm content now. I'm thoroughly grossed out. <laughs> but in, in addition to uh, the um, going through movies and whatnot, so we also have this running joke uh, between Tony and I. So uh, he is a uh, you're. I mean, obviously you're a big you're beer drinker. You mm -hmm. you, you enjoy your beer. I do. Uh, when I first met you, you were you were a Bud Light man. Uh, but now you get into more of the craft brews, right? I, I was I was exposed to a whole world of flavor. Because <laughs> uh, your your brother really is the one yes. that brought you that, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, I don't even recall when it was maybe fifteen twenty years ago ish now. It's been a minute. Um, yeah, it's it started. It's it's been a fun fun journey. I mean, I when I started, that's what everybody drank at the time, and that's just what you did. And 
the craft beer world has exploded from those from those times into uh, the monster that it is now. Yeah. Um, so many different fun flavor profiles and characteristics of different beers, and people are doing all kinds of fun, exciting things. Well, the fun part is that so the the running joke I was talking about is the fact that you know Tony's big into beer. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everyone I uh, hang out with loves their beer and drinks all their. You know, you have a craft brews. You're drinking one right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate beer. <laughs> Absolutely does. <laughs> and, and Tony has decided that uh, one of his, I guess, missions in life. Uh, not necessarily missions in life. More of just a fun personal challenge, I guess. To essentially find a beer that I'm going to be like, hey, that one's hey, good. Hey, that's pretty good. And then see where <laughs> things go. <laughs> yeah, so uh, he's uh, been unsuccessful so far. But, but he decided to carry that into this well, podcast. So that you could continue bringing a, a different beer each episode. Mm-hmm. See if you can find one that I like. We'll keep track of I'm not, how I'm not often you quit. win and how often <laughs> you don't on that. Um, so essentially it's just going to be a, a podcast about craft brews and film reviews. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. It's catchy. Yeah. I, I try to be. It's very so. catchy. Put that so, on the poster. Yeah. <laughs> mm, Got to take a little drink to drink. <laughs> Speaking of. So for those that wonder, you know, obviously you're drinking your beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a, a nice black cherry rum in uh, Coke to make a, an alcoholic cherry Coke. Mm-hmm. I uh, ran into that at a bar and... Uh, I've always been a whiskey and Coke man until I got shown that at a bar probably two years ago. And ever since then, every place I go, I'm like, do you have a black cherry rum? Yes? No? Okay, fine. Whiskey and Coke. Do you have a black cherry rum? Yes? Put it, it in there. It seems like it'd be something that not, I mean, that seems like a specialty thing that not a lot of people it would have. I've not found it at a lot of places. Yeah. Uh, and somebody finally told me who it was, which I'm not going to say who it is until I get a sponsorship. But <laughs> Maybe we're fishing for free stuff again. <laughs> no, but seriously, it's just it's a black cherry rum, and uh, this is a Pepsi Zero. Actually, mm-hmm. um, gotta save the calories for the liquor part. Ah, uh, yes. Drink, drink your calories. It's good for you. <laughs> but okay, so you're smarter than I am. Um, so you remembered watching the movies. I did. Uh, I had to write notes down. <laughs> and there are a lot of notes. What does that mean, Jeff? Well, well, each page is uh, one of the movies we watched. <laughs> so the uh, the Oscar winner for 1928 uh, was actually the movie from 1927, Wings. They, they did something similar where they had kind of Oscar season where it was released in 27. The Oscars mm-hmm. were actually held in 28. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. And we're also going to talk about uh, Seventh Heaven, which was also from 1927, and The Racket, which was from 1928. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, this is the point where you hit pause. If you want to actually know what we're talking about, go watch the movies, come back. <laughs> <laughs> um, I figure we would probably want to go ahead and just start with you know the Oscar winner, since that's the one that obviously sure. won the best feature film, sure. which is Wings. Um, so... The breakdown of Wings is essentially, it's a movie about two guys who uh, enlist in the army during, I'm pretty sure it was World War One. I, I assume. So, yeah, it, so it was um, all three of these, uh, two of these films out of the three, uh, World War One actually played a large yeah. part of it because it was still very fresh in everybody's mind with it just ending in 1918. Yeah. Um, within and, the last decade, at least at least for those two, they they didn't they weren't necessarily enlisted; they were drafted. So you would receive a notice from the government, 
uh, stating, well, now I have to go to war. Oh, yeah. And you had no choice in the matter. No, that makes sense. Uh, I, uh, I, I know I've never served, even though I tried, because I had uh, medical issues that kept me out of it. Um, but I guess it was definitely a different time where, like, nowadays, like, people are enlisting voluntarily versus, like, you have no choice, to Get your ass over here and help. Yeah, they, so they, they had this uh, selective service, which is what the draft was. Um, they stopped compulsory service after Vietnam. Okay. Um, so that's, that's when they went to an enlistment only force. Um, anything prior to that, once, if, if you received your draft card, well, you have to report to basic training in whatever time frame they give you. Typically it's 30 days. Okay. Well, with wings, um, I guess that could have, they were probably still, you know, like just in, not enlisted, but like voluntarily told. They, they, were, they were drafted. Yeah. But I know, uh, yeah, drafted. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. I had a little pre-gaming, so I'm <laughs> losing some words here. It's all good. <laughs> but, uh, no, I know the uh, the two guys. So it was uh, Jack and David, and both of them wanted to be uh, essentially fighter pilots. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know if they decided that after they got uh, drafted uh, or if they just already wanted to do that and just luckily got drafted. I don't know. But So the story is both of them were in love with the same woman, uh, and... While they were trying to like tell their feelings to this woman, they both got drafted, had to go to war, and the vast majority of the movie is them, you know, at, uh, in World War One, learning to fly planes and dealing with the fact that they they both know that they love the same woman. Yeah, they it was it was kind of in, when they they started the movie, they were kind of rivals and mm-hmm. with from two different upbringings. One was um, the the wealthiest family in town, and the other one was not. Yeah. Um, it was kind of a fun, like they started out as rivals and then as the movie progressed while they were going through boot camp and flight training and everything else like that, they became really good friends. Yeah. Um, that, <laughs> so for anyone that doesn't know, like obviously these were all three silent movies. Yes. These were my first times ever watching silent films. Mine as well. This was the first, I'd like I'd seen clips of, of things here and there, but this mm-hmm. was the first time I'd seen a, a silent movie in its entirety in one sitting. Uh, so something I wanted to pull out about wings. Um, I swear to it. So it's, it's two hours and 20 minutes long mm-hmm. and the audio track on it, uh, was essentially the same upbeat little da, 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 which lasted about a minute and a half, and then it just kept repeating over and over and over. And I don't know if that's the way it worked when you actually went and saw these films back in the 20s, but if that's what it was, like, by the end, I'm just like, I want the film just to end just so I can stop listening to this damn tune. So for, for movies in those days, um, depending on like what theater you went to, a lot of times they would actually have a live orchestra. That would okay. actually play those play those parts. Okay, so that might. I wonder if they that plays into something else. I was paying attention is the fact that since it's the same tune that plays over and over and over, there is sections where they're like, "Oh my God, your son, he died," and there was like, "Oh, crying." It was like, supposed to be this really sad moment?" You you may have. So the one the it depends on like which. Did did you watch it on Blu-ray or where did you? Uh, I watched it on Was Tubi. It on, on Tubi, okay. So yeah, that would have been the original track then. Okay. Um, they so the film just had its um, uh, will be coming. They just had a re-release for like it's. Uh, they did a re-release for its fiftieth anniversary, the seventy-fifth, 
and the 85th. Mm-hmm. And for the most recent ones, they actually went back and like re-recorded all of the score. Um, okay. What I had may have been one of the earlier ones because it, it did have some music lines that didn't quite line up with what you were watching on the screen. <laughs> Um, and other times, yeah, and other times there were it, it seemed to fit. So, like I don't, okay. I don't recall the like the constant looping of the one minute track kind of thing. So it may we may have seen different copies. Maybe. Well, see, and that's what I was wondering about. I was like, I didn't know if that was the original audio that played during mm-hmm. the movie or what, which is why it led me to another question. Because like obviously I don't know much about silent film, uh, and I'm like, well, if they're able to play this movie with an audio track, why couldn't they have just gone and like had people in a studio recording voices and putting those over what they're saying? But if it was a live orchestra and it's not something that was playing with it, the film. It wasn't something speakers, that they that did in sense. all places. Like some of the, from what I recall, and granted it's been a while since I've looked into this, but they, like in the bigger cities, New York, Los Angeles would have stuff like that. Okay. Um, but the smaller ones, they, they had like speakers that would play like a, a record, something like that, I believe. Okay. That would make sense. Um, so I will say that uh, Wings starting out, I mean, it was, it was, it was keeping my attention, but it did take me three different times sitting down to fully watch it. Uh, and so it starts out, you know, they're before they got drafted and they both love the same woman. But there is another woman, Mary, who mm-hmm. really likes Jack, which is the guy who wasn't the one that was born into the wealthy family. Right. And they're kind of like bonding over him, like dismantling this car uh, to turn it into kind of like a little race car. It was a little car. race car, yeah. Yeah. Um, and she's just fawning over him and he just has no idea. He's just like, oh yeah, we're buddies. But you know, this other girl over here, which I didn't actually write her name. Sylvia. Sylvia. Okay. So Sylvia, I'm like, I'm in love with her. Uh, and (laughs) it it was almost kind of funny in a way. So they both get drafted. And when, um, Jack goes to say, you know, bye to Sylvia and he was going to ask her for uh, like a, a memento or something. Um, and she already has this picture in a, in a locket that she was planning on giving to David. She even mm-hmm. wrote on the back, like, you know, something, some little thing about how she loves David on the back of this photo that mm-hmm. she put in the locket. And then he just shows up. And the fact that he just automatically like, oh, this is for me? Thank you! And I'm like, you guys weren't even dating. You just assumed that was yours? Well, I mean, he was he was obviously smitten. And um, he was kind of laser focused. And she was having none of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, no, it's, yeah, I was, had, uh, the message for, for David on the back and he just kind of took it and ran. And then there was that little awkward moment where like, uh, um, they were talking and then David came in around the corner and just stared at him like, what, what are you two doing? Yeah. <laughs> what I, that, that's the twenties version of walking in being cheated on. Like, yeah. you're standing there talking. What's going on? It's not what it looks like. In this case, it actually didn't. <laughs> but then the fact that like. She didn't tell Jack that, no, this wasn't for you. No, I don't love you. I love David. Uh, I guess because, like, you know, he's going off to war and she didn't want to, like, send him off without hope and, right. you know, him to go, you know, go into war like that. But then the fact that also David didn't say anything and they're rivals, wouldn't you think David would be like, listen, motherfucker, that's my girl. Fuck off. <laughs> Maybe. Um, and even, like, just there was a little bit later when she was trying to comfort David and she's like, I just gave him that because I felt sorry for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh, oh that's that's, that's rough. <laughs> Just a little bit, a little bit. Uh, poor guy. But I mean, once once they actually got to like their um, aviation school next year, and then you're going through the ropes of learning like the the army and uh, how to fly, and like that part was interesting. Like I, 
I was trying to figure out how they shot some of that stuff with the technology they had at the time. Like my thought would be like they're in a fake plane with like a screen playing oh, footage no, behind no. them, but that didn't look. I was like, that doesn't look like a screen playing stuff behind them. That looks like there's something else going on. They they had some um, as far as like the actual like uh, shots that they had on the actual planes. I'm not. I I didn't get a whole lot of. Wasn't able to dig in too much to how they made those because otherwise they would have had to have had a guy like lying on the fuselage, like just kind of rolling the film while they were recording mm-hmm. it, which doesn't seem very safe. But then again, it was the 1920s. Um, I will say that both the actors, the main actors, were both trained pilots. Really? Um, they, uh, if I recall correctly, the the actor, and his name escapes me at the moment, that played the lead character, Jack, was a flight trainer for pilots in World War One. Oh, that's crazy. Um, and the director, William Wilford, I, the, uh, I think that's his I name. I did not write down the director's name. Um, he actually fought as a fighter pilot in World War One. Oh, wow. So all three of them had legit flight experience for this type of thing. I thought that was a super neat, neat little fun fact. Yeah, that's like, like uh, Tom Cruise and Top Gun stuff today. Like, I can actually fly planes. Back then, they were doing that, too. Yeah, they were, they were, they were flying them for the Army. Uh, or oh, actually, nice. uh, the guy that played David... Um, flew for the the Royal Air Force in England in mm-hmm. World War One. Well, speaking of Jack and David, I will say it probably took me an hour into the film uh, during the war scenes and stuff to start really telling them apart because mm-hmm. they're both just like clean cut, you know, <laughs> Caucasian with dark hair with pretty much the same haircut. Yeah. Uh, and as long as they weren't wearing anything on their heads, like, and they're standing next to each other, could kind of figure out who's who. But when there's, like, a bunch of movement and action going on and they're wearing, like, hats and stuff, I'm like, I don't know who that is. It's, I was, at least I was a little bit different for me. I was able to tell them apart um, just because the actor that played David was, um, his facial features were very distinguishing, at least to me. Like, he had a very big chiseled jaw and, you know, he he just looked like, um, I I don't. Joe America. Yeah, Joe America. (laughs) Team USA, here we go. Yeah, it's just he. It, it was. It was at least. At least from my perspective, it was kind of easy. Okay. Um. Uh, what was I going to say? I completely lost that whole train. But no, I, I get where you're coming from as far as like being able to to kind of mix them up a little bit. I, I see what you're talking about. Yeah, I did. I did laugh when we got to the, the old school boxing. Oh They're yeah. All good but, little... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That was actually kind of it. It was a it was a fun little scene where they where they they kind of went from rivals to friends and yeah they just um, needed to beat the shit out of each other. They like, absolutely All right, we're good now, buddy. did. <laughs> All right, let's do this. <laughs> that was a good fight. Let's let's keep this going. I mean, there was no blocking, no nothing. It's just right hand after right hand. Just do do do. <laughs> it was kind of a fun scene. Even even the drill sergeant was kind of egging him on, just screaming around. <laughs> Well, it was during that, and that boxing match is a perfect example. I was talking about where I couldn't tell who was who. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell who won. Okay. Now I I got the idea later on that it was Jack that won the fight, but I couldn't quite tell because it was just two dudes just going nuts, and I couldn't tell who was who. It was like with the the frame rates of of the film. I think that because I, I I could see how it would be easy to tell or easy not or not easy to distinguish. Mm-hmm between them but then they showed that one shot of david lying on the ground yeah that's the part where i was yeah, like i think, I was I like, think okay, it's david I on this. the ground so i think jake jack won yeah and then the the comic relief dude that was right before that where he's like yeah i'll fight the drill sergeant and he's just, like Rrr. just completely just gets knocked out yeah no um 
that 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 was fun uh and uh everything so they went through their flight school they got um you know trained and everything and they're actually out there now fighting now but what left is like right before they got that like when they were doing their training they they had this ambulance pull up when they're doing yeah. some of their training mm-hmm. <laughs> and the fake yawn is just like yeah <laughs> <laughs> That that was something I noticed for for all three of these these movies that we watched was since they didn't have um, uh, speaking lines to broadcast or uh, record that they had to do like the all of their movements was like super exaggerated and mm-hmm. um, it was kind of fun when I was watching these comparing like these three movie stars because since we're talking about Wings the the girl that or the actress that played uh, Mary is that her name. Mm-hmm. Um, she was like the big movie star of those days. Her name was Clara Bow. She I was, that because I she saw a bunch of other the, stuff pop up on Tubi for her. Yeah, she was the. It was uh, it was the it girl is mm-hmm. what is what they they called that person. Okay. Um, I noticed in for that one as well as um the other two movies that the act the lead actresses specifically they they had very expressive eyes, which I mean makes a lot of sense because you have you have to convey an incredible amount of emotion. Yeah. Without speaking and that i thought that was a super interesting type of thing yeah her eyes uh the actress that played mary like her mm-hmm. eyes like constantly seemed to be like a half a step from like starting to just hear over because yeah. they were so like just glassy the whole time mm-hmm. no but, I, I saw that too but yeah I, but i think went, they also did like some extra makeup around the female's eyes to really make them pop out of yeah it. yeah it's that I, I found that incredibly interesting and it, it makes sense um because like i said you don't have um lines or anything to read it's just you have to do all of it with with just your face yeah well speaking of the lines you know, having lines to read i don't know if they actually had lines while they were doing it but i i did have uh some callbacks to godzilla while watching some of these ah films. yes yes I, just like, <laughs> oh no what's happening <laughs> yeah I, I that that was that was kind of a, a shock to me too um because they they would have you know three or four lines worth of dialogue, and then there would just be that one placard with one sentence, and you're like, well, I just missed half of it. Yeah, <laughs> like they said way more than that. <laughs> yeah, but you you kind of try and glean or f- try and figure out what it is that they're talking about. Um, in some cases, it was easy, and other times it was not. Yeah, no, I I agree. I so with those like little cards that show like what they were saying, I will say that something that I. I found great about wings that I'm going to have complaints about in the next two movies we talk about was the vast majority of their cards were narration cards, not so much dialogue. Mm -hmm. So it was actually just telling you what was happening, where they're at, you know, what's happening at this place and why. Uh, And I found that a lot easier to follow along with the films because one of my complaints about the other two we're going to talk about is the fact that I'm like, it just jumps into this story with these people and it never says who the hell they are. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but with wings, they offered all this narration to kind of give you a background of stuff right. as they move from scene to scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that was, I, I, I agree. I, I don't like it in television shows or movies when there's just no introduction to who mm-hmm. these people are. They just kind of throw you into it and you have to, hang on and figure it out along the way. <laughs> I, I've never really been a big fan of that. I, I, I obviously I don't want like exposition dumps and things like that, but yeah. just at least tell me who these people are and why I should care that, that they're, that they're there. You need the opening star Wars scroll. Uh, no, nah. <laughs> maybe not to that, effect. maybe not to that degree, but at least give me something. Yeah. Not like, um, 
it's, it's like you mentioned in the other two movies in like seventh heaven, they didn't, they just kind of threw you into it. Mm-hmm. And like I said, you just kind of had to figure this out. Like, Oh, that guy's a, he, he works in a sewer. Clearly not because he's very clean cut and clean. <laughs> <laughs> He's but not we'll, covered in poo. Yeah, we'll we'll get back to that. But it's they, I just I've never liked it when they just chuck you in and you just kind of got to figure it out. Yeah, no, I totally agree, and that's that's one of the things that popped out. Like I actually watched um, Wings was the last of the three that I watched, uh, and so I had that complaint going through, and all of a sudden I was like, oh wow, like this one actually tells me what the hell's going on, so yeah. I can follow along. Uh, it might have been uh, worse if I'd have seen that one first. And then saw the other tour, it would probably stuck out even more that I didn't so know. So you had an around. expectation, like, oh, this will be fine. I don't know yeah. what's going on. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, oh, I thought this was interesting, and I, I don't know if maybe you'll know how it was done. During the dog fights. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously they, they learned uh, how to fly, and now they're actually flying, you know, missions for the Army, uh, you know, uh, for the... Um, uh, I Air don't Corps? Know. No, no, like the the, the side that <laughs> my history is bad when it comes to me remembering the, stuff. I, I think you're. I think the word you're looking for is the allies. There you go. Because <laughs> I, I was like, it's not the Axis; it's something no, else. <laughs> a- allies is allies are the good guys. Yeah, oh, that's what the word I was looking <laughs> for. Is the allies. So they're flying for them, and you know, fighting like German planes and everything in the sky. And what I thought was actually kind of cool was the fact that you know during the dogfights when in, you know the entire movie is essentially black and white. It's really more brown and white but that was actually kind of a neat difference between the two actually because wings had more of a um like a a, i guess it's sepia type tone to it and the other one were like straight black and white i i I enjoyed that difference actually yeah that was cool uh as well but what i was getting to is like when the planes got shot down oh there was actually the flame was in color um so that was and then when the bullets were firing that was in color so in in the initial release that was all black and white the actual Mm -hmm. like color in the flames if i remember correctly was added on a re-restore i want to say it was the year after it was initially released well, I mean, even that, that would be 1929. That's right. still way back. They, uh, or it may have been even later than that. Yeah, I mean, I'll not do that when I'm <laughs> recording. It's just like... Um, no, I, I, I do recall reading something about the addition of the flames. I just, I don't recall when they did it specifically. Well, that would make sense then. Because, like, it, when you watch a movie this old... Uh, well, actually, when you watch any movie, really, it's hard to tell sometimes what was part of the original release versus what was maybe added in, like, you know, Star Wars Special Edition. Uh, <laughs> Han shot first. Um, anyways, <laughs> but it, it, it's hard to know that. And so yeah. um, that makes a little more sense that it was added after the fact. But I just thought that was interesting. I like, like those, the fire is in color. What's yeah, going on? It, it, that was a neat effect, though, because yeah. um, with, with those aerial shots and stuff, um, it... I mean, yeah, they're doing their little spin thing, but it would be kind of tough to tell if they were actually shot. So they were kind of, you know, it was added for that uh, that shock value. It was those those whole shots were actually kind of uh, really interesting. I I when I was watching it, I was like, oh, this this has a lot of parallels to dogfight movies <laughs> later. That you know, like the Iron Eagles and the Top Guns and. Mm-hmm all of those stuff. So like this would be considered like the, the grand grandfather of those movies. Um, a lot of those same techniques that they still use. Yeah. Um, what I, it was kind of neat to see where they started. Um, the overall story is something that, you know, you've seen repeated over and over again, two guys fighting over one girl. Yeah. One of, 
blah blah blah. Love triangle slash square. Yeah, this one. it's it, it's been done a million times, yeah. but the actual like the actual dog fighting stuff I thought was 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 really neat. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so, <laughs> speaking of the whole love triangle thing, mm-hmm. so you had at the beginning you had you know Sylvia and Mary with the two girls. Yep. Sylvia was the one that Jack and David, yeah, Jack and David <laughs> were both in love with. I've yep. got the names written here for me. Uh, David. <laughs> you know me and remembering names, so you're, I wrote them you're down. Absolutely horrible at it. <laughs> I knew this dude for six months, was hanging out with him almost every day because that might have been college. And then he gives me his number because we're about to go somewhere. And I'm staring at my phone like, what's your name? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just horrible at names. Yeah, it was really bad. I felt really insignificant. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, that was 22 years ago. You're yes. still here. Yes, I'm still hanging around. <laughs> but, waiting um, for that payday. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a long way away. <laughs> um, so, uh, so Sylvia, you know got left behind when the two men went and yeah, had uh, got drafted in the army. Uh, Mary actually signed up as well because they were looking for uh, women that, you know, specifically said could drive Fords. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that threw me for a second because, again, you know, me and not knowing history, I was like, could women even do that? And which I had to Google it as I'm watching the movie. Yeah, signed and apparently, up for the, yeah, they could. For the ambulance corps. I guess, uh, I think, it was it was it World War One? I? I think it was the first one they allowed women in i think i saw when i googled it maybe i don't know but either way that, that threw me for a second when mm-hmm. i saw that so then she's you know driving around in her her little ford that never has anything in the back of the truck for some reason um she's <laughs> just driving around and goes to uh i think what was it, it was uh mervale um i want to say it was it was uh belgium or maybe france well, I may have these two. Uh, Merville was the name of the city, but I don't recall them okay. actually saying the country that it was in. Okay. Well, she got to Merville, and first thing is they had a Cafe Martin in Merville. I saw, and I was like, "Hey, hey, hey, look at that!" <laughs> That's my last name. Um, anyways, but oh, spoilers! They're... Now people are going to track you down. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Good luck. You know how many Jeffrey Martins there are in this world? Jesus Christ! Um, I, I work with another one too. Uh, so, anyways, <laughs> while she was there, though, what threw me is the fact that I was like. Um, the the town had got evacuated when she showed up because there was a plane coming to bomb it, mm-hmm. uh, and she's there as it starts getting bombed. Right, the the feared, uh, the and feared she, Gotha bomber, the what? The feared Gotha bomber. Oh, or Gotha, Gotha. I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, well, I I did laugh at the way the bombs kind of they're almost like they were like hooked to a string when they were coming down because they're all <laughs> doing this. Um, but no, it gets bombed and she runs and jumps under her Ford. And that protects her from all the bombs that landed right on top of her. <laughs> Which made me think, I was like, I think it was GM that you, or Chevy or whatever. Or it was like, with, uh, built like, like a rock or whatever. Oh, that's, um, what is that? She- that is Chevy. I think that's Chevy. Yeah. But it just it started to make me think of all the car slogans. And oh. like, it was, it was like built Ford tough or yeah. something like that. And it was like, she oh, literally just crawled into her Ford and it saved her from a bomb being dropped on the town. There was like. 20 of them that came that, down and she just new, crawled out like all good that's the new slogan ford it's bomb proof <laughs> <It's bomb-proof. laughs> <laughs> so i, I kind of rolled my eyes at, at that one a little bit uh but i was like well we have cars and movies nowadays that can damn near fly and go to space so can i really complain that a bomb didn't blow up the ford well i mean again this goes back to that this was made in the 1920s and they made things to last back then so <laughs> i don't it, know if they it, lasted a bomb landing hey, right on man, top who of knows, it man it, it's it's enti- it's it's very possible that it could survive a bomb nowadays it's mostly plastic and fiberglass no way that's surviving no that would probably melt but, Mel- yeah. melt and turn into a to napalm that would be super cool 
but no, it was, yeah, I, I remember that shot where, um, and actually right after that, like they, the, the two main characters were, were up there. They kind of scrambled and went yeah. after the, the big bomber. Yeah. And, and they, they shot it down. Uh, they showed her crawling out from the truck and then like, she just, just a couple pieces of wood. Hey, yeah, she's just, like, pushing it's them fine. Away. It's great. And her makeup's perfect. And, yeah, of course. Um, cause she, they built the makeup back then to last that, again. <laughs> it's bomb. <laughs> Um, but like they, she like just kind of throws those little obviously placed pieces of debris out of the way and then just ran over and was celebrating with, with all the other soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, that kind of bugged me a little bit cause like they're standing around and this bomber is like after the uh, spoiler alert, anybody, um, they, when the, uh, Jack shoots down this, this, uh, bomber, like it's actively crashing and they're like within walking distance of, where the crash site is and wreckage and everything's on fire. And it's like, guys, there may still be bombs on this thing. Why are you 10 feet from it? Well, I mean, look at nowadays. If some, if the building's on fire, uh, does everyone, or even a, a I'll make it worse. There's a, a, a big semi on fire that was pulling a tanker that yep. is full of gas. Yep. People don't run away from that. They stand there with their cell phones recording it. Also accurate. So, yes. also accurate. Like this is incredibly unsafe. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it's it's just one of those little fun things that I noticed. It was just like them standing around cheering with the active flaming wreckage, and there's still other things going on in the sky, and they're standing out, you know, yeah. doing whatever it is that they were doing. So. I think it was not too long after that scene. So, like we we, we talk nowadays about like. You know, movies that are two and a half plus hours. I'm like, God, that is so freaking long. This one's essentially two and a half hours long. But I started laughing because not too long after that scene, it pops up the car that says intermission. intermission. Yep. <laughs> I was watching it at home and I'm like, oh, well, that's kind of neat. Usually you see that in like Broadway plays where they'll throw up an intermission or something like that. Like, I you don't see that in actual no. like movies or anything like that. They'll either cut that out and just make it one long thing. And I, I took full advantage of it. Like I'll get you up, pause and go for bathroom break. No, I just let it run. It was like a five minute intermission. Was it that long? Yeah. See, I, I skipped through it to get to the movie because yeah. I was still no, watching. No, I, I went that's... up and got a drink and stretched my legs a little bit and came back down. The soundtrack wound down, and then here we go again. I didn't even have to pause it. That's that's really funny. I didn't. I, I thought it was only like a minute or two. I didn't mm-hmm. realize it was that long. Yeah. No. It was. It was uh, it's kind of fun. Uh, like I said, you don't see that anymore. <clears throat> I have to cut some of that stuff out. Mm. <laughs> I got to keep clearing my throat. Phlegm. <laughs> um, so, you know, they're still in the war when we come back from the intermission. Uh, and they were on leave. And I specifically want to talk about this. They're on leave in some town. Um, I don't remember. I think it was in France or something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, and the, the main character is getting drunk. And the David, yes, that's <laughs> what bubbles. I want to talk about. David gets drunk and like goes off with some girl. And we don't see him for a while. Jack gets drunk. And he starts seeing bubbles come out of everything. He's like shaking like the drinks and and people and yeah. just seeing bubbles and going. Yeah, that that was the that whole sequence from, um, and I'm I'm sure we'll get to one part of it, but um, the whole sequence, at least to me, ran way too long. Yes. Um, and uh, I mean, <clears throat> you can convey that someone is clearly intoxicated without resorting to shaking people and bubbles coming out of them. And he's like, oh, I want to go with her because she has more bubbles. It was like... 
All right, so we have to explain that. Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. So, I, 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 little, so no context there. <laughs> so there was the, whatever that offensive is called. I'm sure you know what the offensive was when they were going to be pushing forward to try to end the war. Uh, I, I don't recall off the top okay. of my head. Well, they, they mentioned A lot of this was, was dramatized, though. Yes, yes. Uh, but I assumed whatever the offensive was called, that was the right name, but maybe it's not. But so they're, they're pushing forward to try to end the war, uh, the Allies are, and they're recalling everyone from leave. And Mary's in the area when, you know, of course she is, she's in the area when they're being recalled from leave, mm-hmm. and she sees one of the lists with Jack's name. Yep. And since she's, you know, head over heels for Jack, uh, she takes that list and she goes and finds Jack to be able to tell him, hey, you got to come back because if you don't come back, you're going to be court-martialed. And, of course, while there, he's having his bubble fit. Uh, <laughs> Clearly, the, the the bubbles was champagne. Just from some context, he was completely trashed on champagne. <laughs> oh, God. But he he was ignoring her because, oh, oh, she's got a uniform. I don't want to talk to her. I'm talking to all these girls in the dresses. And then she randomly bumps into some lady in, like, a bathroom or something that takes her to a changing room yep. and lets her change into one of the dancers, like, sequined dresses. Mm-hmm. And then she goes back and tries to talk to Jack again to get his attention. And just like you were saying, he's like, well, I want to look at the bubbles. So he shakes each girl yep. to see who produces the most bubbles. It, it, it's, it was in... I Maybe I'm not cultured enough. And maybe I don't have as much experience in champagne with as other people. But if if you drink too much, I don't recall ever seeing anyone... At spouting bubbles out of things. No. And again, you can convey that someone is completely intoxicated just through their motions and body movements. I didn't get the bubble thing. And see, I was okay. Like when, the, when first he was like shaking everyone's drinks and bubbles are coming out. And I was like, I don't think drinks make bubbles, but okay. You get bubbles But it was in when the he glass. started getting bubbles out of like inanimate objects and people. That's the part where I'm just like, what the, you know. Like, I, I, I mean, I. Like, if you shake a glass that has something carbonated in it, you're going to get bubbles in that. But they don't float off, and they're not, you know, as big as your head <laughs> floating off. Um, I didn't... I, I get what they were trying to do, but it wouldn't have been something that I personally would have mm-hmm. chosen to convey that. At least not for that long. Cause no. Because it went on forever. It was like 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. The whole like, scene start to finish. He, like, he went off with Mary. They went up to a room. He's still, like, shaking the bed posts and stuff to try to get bubbles out. Um, and I don't know why she took him up to a room if she's trying to get him to go back. She she was trying to keep him from... Because they had the, the MPs walking around yeah. grabbing people. And I think she was trying to keep him in his incredibly intoxicated state from running into them. Yeah. Um, but that whole scene went... Like I said, it went on way too long. Um, I will say at the very beginning of that sequence, there was a really cool tracking shot that um, it's when they first started it. And mm-hmm. they had that long tracking shot where they like they went across the room and like you had people sitting at different tables and the camera was going in between everybody. I thought that was a really cool like set up. Oh, yeah. 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 Like it went through like people dancing too, right? Dancing and like they were arguing and drinking at different tables I thought that was a really cool setup to the point that I actually had to look how they did it. Yeah. Um, They set up a camera rig on the ceiling down to a little platform and they had the camera on the bottom of that platform and then just rolled it forward. Hmm. And then they had all the actors do all these things in different sinks. So like when they pulled up on Jack, um, when he had the the one uh, young lady sitting next to him and one of his other uh, 
pl- or, uh, plane friends next to him or uh, pilots next to him, when they first pulled up on him, when they showed him drunk off the champagne, that, that whole sequence was just a cameraman on a rolling gurney hanging from the ceiling, which <laughs> I thought was really cool. Yeah, it's like a shot nowadays that you wouldn't think too yeah. things about, but yeah, pulling it off, you in, know, in the, almost a hundred years the, ago. Yeah, I thought that was a really cool kind of kind of thing that they did. Yeah, no, I, I didn't even notice that until you brought it up, and I had to think about it. I was like, I remember that shot. Yeah, because like you said, you, it's it's ubiquitous in a lot of different movies. You see it all the time now. But again, going back to when these movies were made, that was mind blowing. Yes, no, definitely, definitely. Now I feel like I got to go back and rewatch that shot because I, <laughs> I remember it, but I didn't notice it at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was super cool. Um, well, after that though, when they got up to the room, what threw me for a second? This is the part that I had to rewind and watch again, not because I was trying to see something, but I was trying to see something to see if it actually I, happened. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> so uh, when they're up in the room, you know, he passes out in the bed and everything, um, and she's trying to change back into her uniform. And for some reason, even though he's passed out, she's, like, pulling one of those little, like, uh, room blockers to change mm-hmm. behind, like, room dividers or whatever. Um, and the MPs that were looking for him walked in the room right as she was changing her top. Mm-hmm. And she sees in a mirror, and she's completely topless, and, like, starts grabbing stuff to cover up her breasts. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, I stopped, and I was like, did a 1920s movie just show her topless? And so I had to rewind it and yes, look. Uh, and if you actually saw anything, it was too quick with the, the footage for me to notice it. But I was like, it definitely showed a lot. And I was like, wow, I would not have thought of that in a movie from the 20s. Yeah, it, it may have been one of those where it was just too quick and nobody cared. Yeah. Um, but those, yeah, back in those days, everything was, um, the the censors were, were very, a mm-hmm. lot more strict than they are now. Yeah, no, I mean, because like, I mean, I don't care if people show nudity, nudity movies, whatever. It's just something you think about from back then, an American film having that. It just threw me for a second. I had to rewatch it. And that, and she got kicked out of the army for that because she thought, they, the MPs thought that she had like had sex with him because apparently his pants was undone for some reason. She, she was trying to home. like just get him, like take off his boots and stuff like that so he could he could sleep off the, the, mm-hmm. the champagne. Um, if, from what I recall, the news, because they showed that newspaper clipping, I thought that she just quit um and well he, it said in the dialogue that you know it doesn't because he was like getting all mad when that guy talked about her quitting or whatever um and jack was upset about it and the guy said well you know when it says that it doesn't necessarily mean that um what was it she wasn't necessarily fired she may have quit but it may have been whatever so it didn't really tell you exactly what happened but i it's took it kind as of like, ambiguous yeah i took it as like no you got kicked out because they thought you were having sex with uh other soldiers. I, I could I could see any of that, or maybe she was just so fed up with him. She's like, I don't I don't even want to be around him right now. Maybe I don't know. Um, I completely lost my train of thought. I was gonna. I, <laughs> I've done that to you twice so far. Yeah, you completely <laughs> derailed me. Um, no, going back to the censors thing, we'll we'll talk about this um, when we get to the racket. There was a fun little censorship fact I can bring up when we when we get there. It was I, I it was kind of fun. It's, again, this goes back to. The U.S. censors. Yeah. That's cool. Don't let me forget. I'll, I'll bring that up. <laughs> I may forget. I made my mic move on accident. How dare you. But. <clears throat> so. Uh, some of the parts that actually kind of threw me, though. So after all of that, uh, they, you know, he gets sober and whatnot. And they're going on the big offensive to, to end the war. And during that uh david gets shot down but you know he survives and he's behind enemy lines and um 
<laughs> so Jack and the other, you know, drafted Benner are back home. They're like, oh my God, like we think he's gone, you mm -hmm. know. Uh, and then a German pilot fights through all the bombs to drop a note to say, hey, you know, your guy that, you know, fell, you got shot down, we killed him while he was resisting arrest on the ground. So that type of stuff, like they would do, um, they they still do it today. Um, it's it's like a whole psyops thing where mm -hmm. you we would drop these pamphlets to kind of like lower enemy morale. Um, so that's that's not like that's uh, not just something they did for the movie. Like they've been doing that really? for yeah a long time. Okay, see, and see, I took it as like you know out of the kindness of our, our hearts, we're letting you know that you know your your guy perished, so you know go more. And I'm sitting there, I'm like. Why the hell would you do that? But if it's that, yeah, it's, it's a okay. whole psyops thing. The whole idea is that you lower enemy morale to the point where, like, they killed my friend. I don't want to die too. That mm. that type of thing. Okay, um, See, seeing it from that point uh, point of view, like that makes a lot more sense than what I was seeing in my head because I was like, "Well, I'm not going to risk my life to let the, them know that." Hey, just so you know, your guy died. Sorry. Right, um, there's there's actually a, a important part right before that, if I recall, where you mentioned the photo that Sylvia had oh, given. Oh yeah, I meant to talk that's, about that. That's a big like character moment. Yeah, um, where uh, Jack has the the locket that Sylvia mm -hmm. had given him, um, and he uh, if the picture fell out, yeah, like he like, like, like dropped the locket because he was finally going to show David because yeah. he'd been hiding it from him the whole right. time. Uh, when like like David had like a little bear that he was his like lucky yeah, charm. Yeah, that was something his mom gave him uh, when he was yeah. a kid. And Jack refused to show that to David. He was going to show it to him, and he dropped the locket, and the photo just like fell. Yeah, off. the photo. He and then he picked up the picture and saw that it had a message specifically. Yeah, for David him. picked it up. Yeah. Um, and Jack was asking for it back, and he he saw it, and it, uh, clearly Jack didn't know that this message was there, and he didn't want him to see it. Mm -hmm. I mean, would uh, it's kind of like a really tough position to be in because like i mean your your good friend wants this picture back but if he sees it and sees what the message is that's going to shatter his whole world yeah um so he fights him on it and he fights him on it and then eventually he takes the picture and just tears it into pieces it's like i really don't want him to see this but jack takes this personally and they end up in like this this fight and then the they're for all of five seconds yeah for all of five seconds and then they're commanding officer shows up uh time to time to get in the air yeah and then that mission that happens yeah. yeah and then and then david was shot down on that mission so when he when he actually flew back you know he's sitting there never actually got a chance to say anything to him or they didn't have a chance to make amends yeah um and so yeah jack is like kind of torn that you know he lost his friend and everything and thinks mm -hmm. he's dead uh but he he wasn't you know david obviously from yeah, he's, he, he survived. survived, the, survived he's behind the enemy lines, uh, and <laughs> straight out of Top Gun Maverick, he he uh, uh, kind of sneaks his way onto an air base and steals a German plane so that he can fly back. Mm -hmm. uh, and tragically, uh, the while they're um, like like so so David had already been hit with like I guess a bullet while he was being shot down the first time. And he's flying back in the the German plane, and by that point, Jack's back in the air and going shooting down the enemy, and he sees this German plane. Yeah, he's uh, he's, he's blinded by rage. Yes, yes. Um, 
And during that flight, uh, David looks up and sees the little shooting star on the side of the plane that he knows is Jack's symbol. Uh, so he knew it was Jack. So, so the the symbol um, went to the very first part of the movie with the car. With yeah, when he was creating that race car, and Mary, who lived next door to him, I'm assuming, um, happened to come over and help help him to work on it. And when they were getting ready to paint it, she was the one that painted the shooting star on mm-hmm. it. And then he carried that over to, to his plane. Just a little bit of context yeah. for everybody. So uh, during that, you know, David knows Jack's there. But Jack just sees this German plane. Mm-hmm. And Jack's trying to shoot it down. Uh, and so David's doing everything he can to try to, like, Jack, no, it's me, it's me. And waving at him, screaming, you know, trying to, at. yeah, jiggle the plane. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know... Jack, you know, being good at what he does, shoots the plane down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, David comes down. And in the process, I think it actually showed he got shot again. Uh, so he had more bullets go mm-hmm. through him uh, from Jack shooting yeah, he him passed, down. Yeah, passed out in the, after the initial Yeah, and so, garage. like, it just shows him, like, going mm-hmm. down. And he's, his head's just flopping everywhere because he's out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, he crashes. And then, you know, Jack comes down and... And lands and he crashes like I don't know it was like at a church or something because there was a bunch of people around. It was in a village. It was it was a small village, um, and uh, it was like a bombed out house I think because it had like a straw roof and mm-hmm. that type of stuff. And they he kind of crashed right into it. Um, and then there were Allied soldiers that came and pulled him out and then just set him on a table like in the in the house. And then that's when Jack landed yeah. the plane. And I was curious if the soldiers that pulled him out knew. That after they grabbed him, like saw that, like obviously he's in not in a German uniform, like he's he was one in of like it, like he lost his regular uniform, yeah, because he's in, in like because kind of he had like a white t shirt or something yeah. or a white shirt and that type of stuff. I don't know if they knew specifically that he he was an Allied pilot, but he I I would assume they knew he wasn't German because they just laid him on a table rather than drag him off somewhere. Yeah, yeah, the fact they didn't just kill him right there, he was still alive, and they kind of like gentle with him. Like they had to, to me, I'm like they had to know something. Um, cause otherwise like if he's the enemy, why would you be doing that? Well, it's, it's that whole, um, uh, Geneva thing that may have came about after world war one cause they used poison gas and nobody cared about that, but, mm-hmm. or, uh, sorry, um, that those things weren't outlawed at that time frame. but I still don't know if, if it was obviously a German pilot, if they just would have shot him right there or what, what the protocol would have been for that. Yeah, that makes sense. But. So, of course, Jack comes back down I mean, after he landed. He's going in like, you know, he shot down this German plane and it's still there. So he's like cutting the little like little cross symbol thing. Yeah, he's t- taking, his, taking his trophy. Yeah. Uh, and then he gets called into where the, the soldier he shot down was. And that's when he sees, oh, sh- it's David. Yeah. Um, and then there's a, a big crying over the dying man moment at that point. Well, he, he murdered his friend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but I mean, like David tries to say, like, I was already dying. Uh, so like you didn't do this to me cause he had already been shot beforehand, uh, to me, I'm, but I'm like, if you weren't, if you were already dying, how'd you do all of that to get back home? Like if you hadn't got shot down, you would have survived based on maybe depending on how bad the wound, the initial wound was, I guess maybe, I don't know. Or maybe he was just telling him that to make him feel better. Yeah. I would think that cause like <clears throat> it, it seemed that he survived for several hours and then was able to knock out a guy, steal a plane and fly home. So yeah. I'm like. If you were dying, bleeding out, I don't think you would have lasted it, that it long. It may have been just something trying to comfort us. Yeah. Like, there's, you didn't do this. I was already on the way out type of thing. Yeah. And so, I mean, to me, he, 
I'll, I'll, I'll get I'll get into the what happened after that, and then like my kind of bone to pick with the movie. Um, so right after that, the war essentially ends. Right, um, he goes home and tells David's parents that you know he's dead, uh, and uh, his mom said to Jack that I wanted to blame you for it, but for some reason you know she's not, and she hugged them or whatever. So I don't know if she knew that Jack shot David down. I don't know. Uh, but then he goes back and all of a sudden him and Mary are a thing and the ends with them kissing credits. Uh, you see Sylvia for about that long, Mm -hmm. uh, crying because David's dead to me, the, the beginning of the movie and the ending of the movie don't jive with the entire time where they're enlisted Mm -hmm. to me. The movie should have been, uh, about how in the beginning they were rivals, whether it's because of the love of a woman or something else, whatever, I don't care. They were rivals. And they became friends uh, and pretty much brothers uh, during their service. Mm-hmm. And then this tragic thing happened where through a misunderstanding, um, he shoots his friend down and he kills his friend. And he has to cope with that fact. To me, credits right there. Yeah, that, that's should have ended. Get rid of all the love story stuff. Get rid of the fact that... I don't give a shit about Mary. I don't give a shit about Mary. I don't give a shit about Mary. There's something about Mary. I'm going to kiss her. Like, it, it made no sense. <laughs> and yes, I called that movie out for a reason. I was going to say. <laughs> all right. <laughs> but it, it, it didn't jive with the rest of the story. So to me, like, the entire wartime part with a little intro to say who they are, why they're rivals, and then maybe let their rivalry last a little bit longer into the wartime uh, effort, become friends, and then ending with that tragic stuff. It, it's It's been a very running... Um... I, I don't know if trope is the the right idea, but it's been a very prevailing thought, at least in filmmaking, that there has to be a love interest in some capacity, yeah. in 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 some form, in every everything, because that's it's it's that whole like you know people love those types of stories, it, it draws engagement, you know people get attached to these characters. That's my guess, because yeah, I completely agree that the beginning and the like, I mean the ending. You, it, it does kind of jive with it. I mean, if he, he's dealing with survivor's guilt and everything else like that. Um, but it's that whole, like, love angle. I mean, I, I get it just because that's, that's what you do for these types of movies. you got to have that, that love interest type of thing. Um, I'm okay with it. Could it have been done a little bit better, in my opinion? Sure. Yeah. Um, but it, it, was, it, it wasn't the worst thing that I I've ever seen, but it wasn't one of my favorites either as far as just, just those, those parts. Yeah. Um, I will say he was in love with Sylvia at the beginning. And then at the end, he's in love with Mary. Yep. Who was he kissing when he got off the damn train, when he got back home, he kept kissing some woman. He was walking arm in arm with some guy and some woman and kept, well, maybe that was, was that possibly his parents? But if so, why was he kissing his mom on the mouth? I, maybe just one of those things of the time. Yeah, I mean, maybe back then you still kissed your parents on the mouth as an adult. I don't know. I mean, that was almost 100 years ago. I, I don't know. That just seemed odd to me. Because I was like, who is this woman he's kissing? <laughs> it may have been his folks. I, yeah, I, it just occurred to me. Because like, the man was definitely older than him. So maybe it was his parents. It likely was. But I, I didn't like zoom in to find out. And I don't think they showed his folks. In the yeah, movie. I don't remember it showing his parents. But like he was just walking with two people from the train. And I was yeah. like, well, it could make sense that maybe it is his parents. Because, yeah, they just showed the outside of the house and the car, but I don't recall them ever showing his parents. Now, they showed David's because yeah. they had that whole that whole scene. Mm-hmm. 
um, in the beginning and the end. Yeah. But I don't I don't recall them showing Jack's parents. Yeah. Um, I will say all in all, like for this movie is like it is like you said, like it has a lot of stuff to the film that uh, are still things that are used today. The love triangle, the mm-hmm. the enemies becoming friends, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole time while they're at war, like that part was, um, I mean, fairly enjoyable to watch for a silent movie because they're not silent movies are not easy to watch when we're used to what we're used right. to. Film. But I, I would still say like it was still a good film, especially for um, how old it is. I, I will say um, I can see why this one won the award that year um, based off a lot of the aerial shots that they did. Yes. Um, as well as the performances. Because, I mean, like like, like I mentioned before, I, I hadn't seen uh, silent movies. And it was once I got used to it after, you know, a couple of minutes or just trying to figure out the format or whatever, you know, you kind of actually got attached to these two guys. And... Um, they kind of telegraphed the the scene, you know, when David grabbed the German plane and was flying off, and then you see Jack coming in, like, oh, I see where this is going. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, man, no, don't do this. Come on, yeah. man. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those movies. Some movies, you just, like, you know what's happening. Yeah. You're just like, no! Yeah, they, they telegraphed it, and you're still like, oh, please don't do this. Please, yep, He did it. <laughs> yeah. Now, that, that part was a little sad. Um, but no, like I said, in, all in all, I did I did like the film. Um, like most movies, it had some elements that I think should have probably changed. Yeah. Um, story wise, but it was still a good flick, especially for the time frame. I mean, that's something that we got to keep in mind. A lot of a lot of movies back in those days were based off of plays that were that had already been around. Mm-hmm. Um, as this, as far as I know, was an original picture. I, I don't, I don't think it was based off a of play. I may be entirely wrong, but as far as I know, it's an original picture. Yeah. Well, I would say Wings, 1927, if you're wanting to, to follow along with any of this or just to check out some really old Oscar winners, definitely worth it's, a watch. It's definitely worth the time, um, yeah, especially for, like I said... It's a long the, movie. It, it but, is a long movie. Two two hours and 20... We'll just say two and a half it hours. Two, it was two hours and 20 minutes, yeah. Um, but to see, like, where a lot of these modern pictures, and we mentioned Top Gun multiple times... Yeah where these those types of dogfighting pictures kind of got their start mm-hmm. that's it's worth seeing just for that yeah no i agree um the next film is, that i say we talk about because i think we'll get to this one pretty quick at least from my perspective seventh heaven okay also from 1927 yep um this uh wings was obviously the the best feature film winner this is just one of the other uh ones that were in consideration uh so <laughs> Uh, this film also has some World War One elements to it. It does. Um, essentially, there is a, a guy who works in the sewer. What exactly he does in the sewer, I can't tell. It looks like people throw stuff in the sewer, and he's in charge of cleaning it out. And I'm like, just they, stop he, throwing he was, shit in the sewer. <laughs> yeah, he was removing like rags and looked like bed sheets. Yeah, and basically, and um, sewers and like they didn't have i mean they had a sewer system but if it was plugged up with stuff then it would start overflowing and backfilling and his whole job was to remove that those blockages and keep the shit flowing as it were (laughs) quite literally (laughs) like quite literally Um, yeah no that makes sense so he was 
Yeah, and this this film takes place in uh, France. I couldn't tell if it was actually in Paris, but it was in France. It was it was in Paris. Um, okay, so it's in Paris. He's uh, a sewer cleaner, and he wants to be promoted to a street cleaner. Yep, uh, and that's his whole dream in life. Uh, and there is these, this other woman who lives with what I assume was her sister. Yes, it was her, uh, her older she's sister. Very emotionally and physically abusive. Uh, and she didn't seem to have any dreams other than maybe getting away from that. Um, so yes, just, just her one thing was to get away from that situation. Like you said, her, her uh, older sister was an alcoholic, um, very physically abusive. She would hit her with a whip and, Mm -hmm. you know, at any perceived slight, um, that, yeah, that's, that's her whole thing. So I will say, (laughs) I, I wrote this a couple times as I was watching the film, um, it started out, and I, I became bored very quickly with Seventh Heaven, uh, because e- even after half with the the movie, I felt like nothing was happening. Essentially, like he just, you know, he's cleaning the streets, and like I hate this, and that's all it was for like the first twenty minutes for him, twenty to thirty minutes, which is him. I hate this, uh, and then for her, it was like I'm trying to get away from my sister who is beating me. Mm-hmm randomly these like i guess uncle and aunt show up that are apparently rich or just like we're gonna take you away but only if you're good girls and oh you're not good girls okay bye so i'm like well they they were from uh so the the two women were prostitutes and i didn't pick up on that yeah so when they when they showed that they were living in squalor um diane and nina yes um they you know, obviously they were doing things that, that the uh, the family members didn't agree with or approve of. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, you're not worthy of coming with us because we're we're fine, you know, hoity-toity people. Yeah. We don't want to associate with, with that type of um, that type of behavior, so we're just going to leave you here. Okay, that, 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 I mean, I knew that they were like, they didn't agree with them. Uh, I didn't pick up on the fact that they were prostitutes. Okay, mm-hmm. that makes a little more sense. But still, the fact they just randomly showed up. Hey, you want to go with us? You're you're prostitutes. Never mind. Or, well, yeah, or, no, or yeah, in they, today's terms, sex workers, because prostitutes not a good thing to say. Well, anymore. it's again, yeah, but back then terminology. Yeah. Um, but now they have the the priest or father show up and tell them that there were that their family members were coming yeah, back. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess she's there telling yeah. them that. But but I was just like that. I was like, okay. Uh, but then, so the fact that they didn't get to leave, the abusive sister blamed the younger sister, and I'm trying, I'm having trouble remembering who was who, um, between Diane and Nina, but, so... Diane was the younger sister, I Was believe. she? Yes. Okay. Well, in that case, like, Nina starts strangling Diane in the street. Yes. And people are just looking at her like, okay, this is happening. Uh, until finally, uh, Chico. Yeah, Chico, which is a <laughs> a very popular French name. Is it? Okay. No. Okay. It's <laughs> like, like, it doesn't sound like Not it. that I know of. Um, so Chico, who is the sewer worker, intervenes and like dangles her over the sewer. Um, to, to get her to promise to, like, to stop, leave, leave her stop, alone, stop you know? hitting your sister. Uh, and then like she runs off and again was it diane's the younger one i believe so yes. okay well if she's the younger one diane is just like dead in the street not moving just well she you know she was choked till she was passed out but but then 
Chico just goes and sits with his boys like six feet away and they're just like munching on some like crackers or something bitching about life and about the fact that she's laying there and interrupting their lives and I'm like what the fuck <laughs> how this, dare this you inconvenience me in front of you pretty much almost killed and you're just like stupid bitch <laughs> <laughs> so I was like okay and then of course that father shows up again knowing that he wants to be a street cleaner he's like hey I've got a street cleaning job for you here you go be yeah, here just, on this just day shows up. This, this was um, yeah it the whole thing didn't make any sense to me. No. Like, like no. If if they're if we're operating under the assumption that they assume she was killed, they just decide to have lunch next to a corpse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think at one point, then you go like, I think he went over to like shoved at her or something. Or I think at one well, point. like this was after she woke up. And yeah, was she started just waking up, and he was just hugging. like, you know, you're bugging me, and like, yeah. And it, then he grabs her and like drags her and shoves her against a car and then sits down and starts eating again. So yeah, it for this particular it was funny. We mentioned Diane. Um, she was played by uh, an actress named Janet Gaynor, who actually won Best Actress for the Oscars that year. So really? this this was an actual Oscar winner. Okay, so she won for that role. Yeah, she won for that role. Well, <laughs> so. <laughs> That all takes, I think it takes like 20, 30 minutes for that to happen. Yes. So. Yeah, it's, it's a very. Hence the slow. nothing's going on. Yeah, it's, 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 it plays into that trope where, you know, the, the, cause like he starts to, does her a favor, right? Like after she wakes up and she, she like finds his pocket knife on the street and like was going to kill herself. End it, yeah. And like he grabs it and, you know, takes the knife away and, um, the police got involved, so he's, you know he's like, "You can come crash at my place until the police are gone, and then you got to go." But but there was another point. Of it. The police had picked up her, her sister. sister and a bunch of other women, so maybe that was the clue that they were sex workers, which I didn't pick up on. Mm-hmm. And she's all like, "You know, she's done it too. Go arrest her." Yeah. And the cops just over like, "Okay, cool." And she's like, "You didn't see her do anything. You're just gonna randomly arrest her because this woman over here is saying that." Okay. And that's when he's just like, "No, she's my wife." And they're like, "Oh." Okay, cool. And yeah, walk okay, away. Fine. I'm like, so in other words, you're going to arrest this woman because some woman was mad that she got arrested. But the second you know she's married, okay, cool. Never mind. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> and we, the, tr- we trust you. Yeah. And so and then he uh, takes her home, which they had an interesting shot going to the home. So they he lives up like on the top floor of some building that goes up a spiral staircase mm-hmm, to get there, mm-hmm. and the camera's like tracking from one floor to the next, going all the way up. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was that was up. that was a cool sequence. Yeah, yeah, I was like that that one I remembered seeing because I actually did that one twice, I think, if I recall. Um, so that one was kind of fun, but then it goes back to nothing happening. Like she's just living there, and he's like, you know what? Don't get comfortable. Like you're not staying here. As soon as the cops come and confirm that you're my wife, you're getting the fuck out. Well, it, yeah, he he was doing that. Like he was doing. But she was falling for him the whole time. Um, you know, like giving him haircuts and, yeah. and all this other stuff, and um, and then the police actually show up, and they're like, okay, yeah, you're good. And then you know, she just kind of like sadly. This this goes back to what I was saying earlier, where. Um, she was very expressive yeah. and like, you could tell like, oh man, she feels, you know, this is horrible. Cause she like, after the police leave while he was getting a haircut or whatever, she's just trying to help out. Um, she went and grabbed her things and then went to the door and he's like, you know, if you, if you want to stay, you're not in my way. Yeah. And you know, then the, the expression changed from like complete despair to, you know, just jubilation, like great runs back inside and just picks up right back where she left off. 
Yeah, and then same kind of thing. He randomly gets drafted. Yeah, same same kind of thing. France was um, one of the one of the main uh, allies that were involved in World War One. They did compulsory service as well. Um, one of those, they just any any fighting age male during those times, like all right, grab a gun. You're here. You go. Yeah. So she. <laughs> Apparently, through the power of her awesome haircuts, uh, <laughs> made him fall in love with her, and they decide to get married real quick before he goes to, goes to war. Mm-hmm. So she goes from being strangled to death in the street to getting married. That's a level up. That's just well, crazy. I mean, she 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 found love in and not uh, in in un, an unorthodox way, to say the least. Yeah, that's that's the whole like. And again, this goes back to what I was saying earlier that there has to be a a love story. The whole thing is a love story. Um, she starts the picture in just complete squalor, ragged conditions. Mm-hmm. And then she meets her, you know, meets her, uh, love in, or beau or whatever you, or whatever, you know, term you want to use. And then they, they get married. I mean, that's typically where the story goes, but at least when it, this does not stop there. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they get married. He goes to war this one feels less like Wings, where the war was an important part of the story um, and actually was the bulk of the story. This one almost feels like just taking him away for reasons. Because it seemed like the war didn't really matter much in this story other than getting him out of the picture so that her sister could randomly show up again. Uh, and because he, he, he kept reinforcing, like, stop being afraid of everything. Stop being so scared of stuff. Uh when, um, like every time she'd experienced something new with him, mm-hmm. like, uh, well, I say like it happened all the time. They literally sat on a freaking uh, balcony on the roof and she was scared to step out. Uh, but he kept saying like, stop being afraid of everything. And so when she came back and she started like whipping at her again, suddenly she like, you know, found her courage, mm-hmm. grabbed it, stopped her sister and starts smacking down on her sister. And, you know, her sister runs away. So it felt like the whole reason he went to war is just so she could have a moment to be like, "Hey, I'm not scared anymore." There, there was that, um, but they also introduced um, another character because while he was at war, they showed her working in an ammunition factory. Oh yeah, and, that's true. And her um, or overseer, her supervisor worked for the French military. I was trying to kept, get her panties the whole time. Yeah, kept trying to pawn after, like, let me take care of you. I'll I'll take care of this. Don't worry about him. Let me take care of you. That type of thing. So it adds that love triangle interest that we're we're coming back into play again. Yeah, yeah. I don't feel like that one actually offers anything to the story, but it yeah, really it, does. it it doesn't. But it's there. It's it's the it's the checkbox. Yeah. So I'm gonna <laughs> because this movie had so much time of just and this movie is I think is, is also like two hours long. Two hours long. Yeah. And almost nothing happens. Um, so, <laughs> unless there's something else you want to talk about, I'm jumping to right before he comes back home. So the 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 actual like when they showed him, um, there was some there was kind of a funny scene where um, I, I will say one thing. Um, the so they showed Chico and his compatriot. I I don't even recall his name. Um, I, it was kind of. So they showed the main character who, like we talked about, was very clean cut, super clean, yet he works in a sewer, you know, that type mm-hmm. of thing. Didn't jive with me. But his friend, um, there was a supposed to be a comedic scene, like early on, where they showed these two women, like over a floor grade. 
and his friends, um, who consequently was had co- uh, looked like a rat, and I'm sure that was intentional. Um, like he had this real like weird mustache type of yeah. thing, and like just his his whole getup reminded me of a rat. Um, they showed him like there was these two women that were standing over this this sewer grate, you know, just kind of like checking their makeup or something like that. And he thought he'd be sly and and look up the grate, and then Chico just kind of like hits him with a um, hits him with a mop thing that he was using to fish out bed sheets or whatever. Yeah, and he falls into the the raw sewage, and my first thought was, great, now this guy has cholera. <laughs> like you're definitely going to have co- superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> He's not the toxic Avenger, okay? <laughs> um, but no, like, and he followed him off to war. But he still had that same type of motif, like you mentioned in the. I didn't scene. even catch there was the same guy. Yeah, um, in the there was that one scene where after I Diane, mean the, st- the other street uh, cleaner that he was like not that with guy. Went off. No, not not the um, not not the guy that kept saying comrade. Not the guy with that yeah, like the big that threw me too. Was like, are you French? You keep the, the real mousy guy, like hmm. the the first dude he was with, um, had uh, like you you'd mentioned when they were eating lunch you know, next to after Diane had strangled and she was knocked out in the street. This, this kind of further um, tied in the fact that they were trying to make him seem like uh, mouse-like or radish, um, where he was like kind of digging through like little pebbles in the street, looking for something to eat, Mm -hmm. you know, that type of thing. That whole motif didn't bother me, but that character, um, when they were in war, like they were at base camp or whatever. And there was a funny scene while they were there where the cook was, prepping like some oh, with the chicken. chicken um and he kind of like waltzed over and was talking to the guy and when his back was turned he just replaced it with a log yeah and then brought it back to like him and his squad mates and then they brought in that to the officer's tent yeah the chef took it in there and like here's you know here's your lunch and they open it up and it's just a log that i thought was was kind of funny it was kind of humorous because they're outside just tearing that thing apart <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I completely forgot about that scene. To, to be honest, like a good chunk of this movie is, for me at least, was kind of forgettable. Just because, like, there, you went so long with like, it, it it took thirty minutes to say, you know, like, hey, I, I want to be a street sweeper, and you can come live at my house. Well, it's it's the whole finding love thing was the overarching. No, I get story. that. It, just, it, it um, wasn't done well. Well. Now, some of the the war stuff, and this kind of ties into the whole true love angle that the movie's really about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they showed them, you know, on the front lines, and they end up getting involved in a you know a charge type of situation. That's but for World War One. It was absolutely chaotic. They would just yeah. line up in these trenches, and throughout the course of the the entire war, you would have people fight for weeks to gain a foot of ground and then they would oh, they would be overrun and then go right back to where they started mm-hmm. so you're fighting for years over you know three square feet worth of stuff uh, you it's they would line up an attack and they would just line everybody up and then they would start blowing their whistles and then over the top they go these poor people would just get mowed down with machine guns and artillery and then they'd repeat and start over the whole thing was horrendous um but this this ties into that that type of scene where they would line up 
and then the officers would start blowing their whistles and then over the top they go. Um, you had people with, um, flamethrowers and stuff like that. That's not something I'd want to carry with me, especially in those days. If you take a round in the wrong thing, well, now you're a walking up. grenade. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was during that scene though, when he got injured, right? Uh, it was, yeah, he, he, there was a, an artillery shell that went off or like a phosphorus round or something like that that ended up blinding him. Um, <laughs> well, you shouldn't mention that part yet though. Sorry. <laughs> because Man. that's one of my bones to pick. So he, that happens. He, he gets back into the trench with them and, and the father's randomly there from earlier that gave him the street sweeper job. So this, yeah, a lot of times they, they, um, or I should say the priest, they, they would bring, um, priests with them because i mean the which is crazy is exactly like everyone from his neighborhoods right there in his little group well that's that's how they used to do it (laughs) really yeah like if you were all drafted from like one town you're one squad ah um and it wasn't until later it's my uh it's my uh stupidity of not knowing no it's it's just it's just that's you just didn't know yeah um they stopped doing that after i want to say it's world war one because i mean entire towns would be wiped out of military age males i mean that anybody that was drafted they didn't come home and so they start that's when they started mixing up um, makes sense yeah from different parts of the country different cities and things like that so that wouldn't happen again okay well the priest part doesn't matter it's just the fact that he's 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 on the ground with the priest and his the guys around him and he's just like you know please tell her i love her and all this kind Mm -hmm. of stuff and he's just like And, and it's so, it's that over exaggeration, but but it, but that's not the part that, that bothers me. Like all of it was over exaggerating. Right. It's when they get they go back home, and there's like military people that come and tell her, "Hey, your husband's dead," uh, and she's like, "No, no, I feel he's alive." And then the other street sweeper who had gotten list, uh, drafted came in and is like, "No, he's dead. That that can't be right. I, I feel he's alive." Uh, and then the priest comes in. It's like everybody got sent home. You know, your husband's dead. No, no, I feel he's. I can't believe that he's dead. Uh, and of course, that guy earlier you mentioned that's like mm-hmm. trying to, you know, take over husband duty. He's like, I'll, I'll take care of you. Yeah, it steps right in with the yeah. Ugh. Yeah. And so everyone says he's dead, right? And then all of a sudden, he's walking up the stairs, screaming her name, and he gets to the top of the stairs, and he walks in and comes to find out he was just blind. How so, the fuck do they confuse blindness with death? So let's be honest: the record keeping in those eras was not the best. Two of the people saying that he was dead was standing next to him when it happened. Agreed. <laughs> but it's entirely plausible that the power of love saved him. Mm. I mean, maybe he just passed out. I mean, it's not unheard of for... Because um, uh, PTSD or shell shock was very prevalent in those days. Yeah. Um, it's entirely possible that he just straight passed out and then, you know, they carted him off and then he woke up later. They never actually explained it. So the fact that if he just passed out and then nobody checked to see if he was still alive and they just rolled him away? They, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's not... See, that, of... that, that's, the, that's the trouble with, like, watching a movie that old right, yeah. without the historical context. Because I'm literally like, the dude was blind and you thought he was dead? Yeah. Uh, so, like, shell shock um, or PTSD um, was, in, like I said, incredibly prevalent in those days. Because mm. the way that they used to do those... Um, to prepare for an attack, um, both the uh, like the German army or the French and Belgian army or the Axis and Allies or whatever you want to use, they would just continuously fire artillery shells, big ones, over the course of several days. And all you would just hear is shell after shell after shell after shell. 
and it would keep guys awake. Uh, they wouldn't be able to sleep. Their their nervous systems are completely overloaded. Mm-hmm. And if you know one of those phosphorus shells just right lands right next to you and blinds you, you have no frame of context. All you have is just thoughts and pain. I could totally see him just passing out just from just the sheer exhaustion. No, of that part I, yeah. I could get. It was it was the fact that the two guys next to him. Yeah, yeah. Like if they you didn't pass out, checking. you're clearly still breathing. Right. So it's like the, those guys confused blindness with death. It's it's also. But again, if they were so sleep deprived, which again, maybe everybody watching the movie back then knew this. Yeah. So maybe it's it's just me watching you know an almost hundred year old year old movie. But me, I couldn't pick up on that. I'm literally like, so he passed out, essentially fell asleep, mm-hmm. and you're like, he's dead. I, I, it may have also been a thematic choice, um, where to create that that whole drama of, like you said, everybody's telling Diane that that he's dead, um, and just to kind of create a little bit of drama, um, yeah, to and. Uh, one thing I thought was was particularly in poor taste was um, like right after this, like the armistice is signed and the war's over, you know the bells are ringing and people are singing in the streets and everybody in this room are you know cheering and you know uh, shaking their hands in the air and then she's just off in a chair, I mean obviously completely distraught and destroyed and they're celebrating in I you know. Right next to her. Well, they could hear the the, the music track because the music track was like da, 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 which, da, da. which again, <laughs> like this is supposed to be like a very you know emotional yeah. moment, and you see everybody super happy, and she's just sitting in the chair, just completely destroyed. Yeah. I, I, ugh, that bugged me. I did not like that. Yeah, it's also hard to think that yes, again, like I I can't speak for it because I didn't live back then, but if my friend right here has just been told her husband's dead. And she's just, you know, tore up about it, obviously, because, yeah. you know, your husband's dead. And they announce, like, hey, the war's over. Would I step away from comforting my friend and be like, yeah! I, I If it were me, now, granted, I, I wouldn't, I, I haven't had to deal with anything like that. So I'm just operating on a pure hypothetical here. Um, I probably wouldn't be jumping up and down in celebration while my friend is obviously mourning. Yeah. Um. They, they they showed a scene to, to tie back into Wings at, at the end of the movie when uh, Jack char- Jack's character came to David's parents' house where they were looking out the window. They had the gold star on the window. Yeah. And, you know, they're singing in the streets and there's a marching band and, you know, they're closing the window shade, again, obviously in mourning. Now, I mean, yes, they're not outside, but it's... That scene. But see, was, that one was done better. I uh, that's what I was exactly yeah. going to say. Yeah, that one was done better. Like you still see people celebrating, but these people are obviously still hurting. Yeah, it's not the people in their living room that are just like you know, screw you for a minute. Do, 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 yeah, you know? that was not. I that I did not like that. Yeah. I mean, they're celebrating. She's obviously in pain. Great if you're happy. Go outside and do it. Yeah. You know, comfort her. Make sure she's okay first, and then go party. Um. But to tie in, like you mentioned, he he was you know running through the the parade of people. He's yeah, somehow he's blind, but somehow made it from the port to his house. He's daredevil. With, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> daredevil. <laughs> well, I thought it was like also like they, that a spiral sp- staircase mm-hmm. that goes up to his house. They had a, a a camera pointing straight down, and he kept going like what was it Diane or whatever or is it whatever it was the right one. Whatever. I'll just say Diane. He's just like Diane. <laughs> 
Yeah, but you, and I'm I like, mean, why are you leaning her. over looking up? Aren't you blind? Well, maybe he was looking for like, like yelling, trying to hear back or something like that. But with all the the noise and everything, yeah. obviously she couldn't hear him. Um, yeah, he he runs up the stairs somehow, magically figures out which one's his, and finds out which building is his, where to go. Um, he ends up right outside. Yeah, I'm and, sorry. You, you you dropped me at the airport or the port or wherever he would have landed. Yeah. Blindfold me and expect me to walk home? I ain't making it. <laughs> Maybe I, I, again. There's there's a lot left to the imagination. Yeah. Um, he's daredevil. Yeah. He's daredevil. <laughs> um, but you know he, they're they're trying to you know comfort her and she's like she's getting ready to like okay I'll go you know I'll go be with you just so she doesn't have to go back to her former life. Yeah. Um, and then he you know basically kicks in the door, can't see anything, and then you know she in complete awe like oh shit he's alive. And then she walks over, gives him a hug, and then they collapse on the floor together, and then the movie's over. Yeah. So, um, if it's not been clear with my tone and saying nothing is happening with this movie, I didn't like this movie. Um, the two-hour runtime, if you cut out all the crap you didn't need that, and, and shorten the amount of, like, him just staring, chew, show the body. Staring, chew, show the body. Mm-hmm. Staring, chew. Like, that didn't make, like, it just ran forever. You could have had this whole movie in 45 minutes. Uh, and you mentioned, like, the reason I didn't bring it up, the guy that, you know, when she was working and making, like, the ammunition, mm-hmm. like, nothing happened with that. Like, the the blind guy, uh, Chico, didn't show up, find out, you know, that he was trying to get with his woman and, like, you know, clock him or anything. Like, there was no point for that being part of the movie at all. Um, it, it, was, it was to show that, that, ang- that angle. Like, oh, well... I mean, if she doesn't stay true to her man, you know that it's that whole conflict thing. Um, but it felt it, it forced. Forced, forced yes. is the right word. It yes. felt forced. There was no reason for it. Yeah, there was nothing happening that called uh, called for that to to be a part of it. But it, at least in my opinion, it was fine for like I. It was fine for a watch. Um, but like I said, Janet also won Best Actress for that year. Um, she did fine. Yeah. Um, not something I'm going to go out of my way to watch again, I don't think. No. Um, but it was, it was, it was fine. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm obviously I made it to the end. Yeah. <laughs> There's been plenty of movies where I'm just like, done. And we're done. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, yeah, it's, it's not something I would ever want to watch again. It just, it, it was too long for what it was. And like, I literally have in giant caps Nothing is happening. I see that. Yes, Zombie Chico. <laughs> oh yeah, another good one. Yeah, yeah. It, it was before they revealed that he was just blind and everything. I was like, so he's just randomly alive again. So I was like, Zombie Chico. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. All right. So yeah, that's Seventh Heaven, nineteen twenty-seven. Um, yeah. Do you want to move on to your brew time before we go to the last movie? Sure, sure. So, so what do we got? So this is. Well, um, you should probably actually mention first. Again, this is your again not mission, but uh, it's, it's a challenge. challenge. It's a challenge to to try to find a beer that uh, I will uh, not just be like, oh, it's all right, but actually like and want to drink a second time. Mm-hmm. Um, I've historically been more of a cocktails guy, uh, or maybe even a good wine. We have stories about when I drink a little too much wine, <laughs> um, but uh, very very rarely has there been a beer I enjoyed. I think the closest was when we were at the uh, Hofbra House in Munich. Yes. And you, had you like the, uh, the, the Hofbra Dunkel like mm-hmm. right off the tap. Um, that one was uh, pretty good. Um, but I think that's the closest I could come to one with saying that I kind of enjoyed it. Uh, so what 
have you brought for me to so, possibly not enjoy today? <laughs> so, so this is not that. This is not Hofbrau. Um, this is um, that's from Sierra Nevada. Okay. They are a brewery that was started in California in 1980. Oh, is this mine over here? Uh, it is. Yes, I've already finished mine just because I I you really like this one. Second for you to have it, huh? You didn't bring a second? Uh, I did not. No, that one's all you. Well, you should go get another one. We're supposed to drink them together. Okay. Take a quick break. Go grab one. Okay. I'll be right back. <laughs> and pause. <laughs> and now she's back from outer space. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. And we're back. What do we got here? So again, this is from uh, Sierra Nevada. This is their uh, pale ale. Uh, Sierra Nevada was founded in 1980 out of California. The uh, this is an American uh, style pale ale versus um, an English style pale ale, which is also known as a bitter. These are more hop forward as compared to malt, so you'll get more citrusy flavors uh, as compared to like bread, that type of thing. Okay. Um, I enjoy this one. It's in all 50 states. Every city, every bar is going to have this. So anybody could go check this stuff out. Yeah, it's, I really enjoy it. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. Well, this is what you were drinking before we got in here and started recording, too. Correct. All right. Well, I started with a little of my cherry Coke. Yeah, this this is there? one of the, the, the standards or standbys. Ah, oh, there's that sound. <laughs> oh, that's some ASMR stuff right there. Yeah. <laughs> that's rude. If um no if, if if you go to a new place and you don't at least if if I go to a new place and they don't have anything else that I normally like to drink, they're going to go to this. yeah. All right, so Sierra Nevada Pale Ale handcrafted ale, Sierra Nevada Brewing Company mm-hmm. <laughs> in Chico, California. Chico, California. <laughs> was that on purpose? No. <laughs> okay, because I was like that plays in purpose. No, well, I was just I was looking for something that is widely available. Um, that's not too. Because I, I know you don't like super bitter things, so I'm yeah. trying to find something that, um, one, that you'll like. Um, but secondly, like, I didn't want to run out of the gate with, like, a triple IPA that's something that's super bitter that'll make you throw up in the <laughs> That, and I mean, like, I... Uh, well, actually, that might be a good thing to start mentioning on other podcasts, too, if you already know what beer you're wanting to do ahead of time. Because, mm-hmm. like, at the, so at the end of this episode we're going to say what movies we're going to be bringing up in the next episode which we need to decide on those um but then also like if you already potentially know what beer you're going to be having too you could always advertise that in the next episode for the next episode uh for people to have it ahead of time if you want to drink with us i i maybe maybe for the next i didn't pick one out for the next one i just kind of like we'll try this and then i'll gauge where to go from there well, to be honest, like the 1928 episodes are all going to drop the same day. Right. So it might be an idea to just know what the next episode is. I mean, we don't have to do that. It's just a thought. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I like the idea that, you know, I mean, who knows? This might just be for us. There might be anyone that ever listens to this shit. And, and they're that's just like, fine. you guys are stupid. Do your movie thing. Leave me alone. <laughs> uh, but anyone that maybe wants to deep dive on some of this too, maybe be part of the discussion. So if we're telling them the movies that we're going to be reading beforehand, or reading. We're going to read some, well, these movies we read. Those are called those are called uh, screenplays. <laughs> well, we had to read these movies, too. They were little, you know, dialogue cards. Uh, but uh, if they're wanting to watch them ahead of time, so they can maybe be part, part of the discussion uh, mm-hmm. as they're watching. And, and you can get, 
you know, feedback and comments and everything like that mm-hmm. as to what you thought. Um, same thing with the beer. Maybe they could drink it along uh, with the episode to see, give their comments, what they thought about it too. Because I already decided, like, if we ever start getting comments, um, we're going to have a section where we're reading through a bunch of our favorite comments. Regardless of whether they're good. They could be like, you guys suck. You're stupid. Go live in a hole. <laughs> I'll read those out loud because I think the shit's funny. So, you know. Anyways, sorry. Sierra anyway. Nevada. Let's try this shit. Enjoy. This um, tastes familiar in some of the other stuff that you've tried to get me to, to have before. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think my palate is as refined with beer as, say, uh, yours is. Because okay. I don't think I'm picking up any citrus. It still feels like carbonated bread. Okay. <laughs> okay. There's there's a light... Like, these these particular types of pale ales, they're not going to be, like, super citrus forward. They're kind of there, but they're not the primary flavor. Mm-hmm. Um you would get those more in uh, IPAs, depending on what kind, uh, depending on what kind of hops they use. You can get different different flavors out of them. You can get citrus, you can get pine, you can get floral type or flower type stuff. Okay. Um, this is just even keel. I mean, it's very balanced. Between that might be why it tastes kind of familiar to me, because I know you've had me try a few of these different kind of mm-hmm. ales and whatnot, and I mean, it tastes almost like you're just everyday basic craft beer. Nothing. Mm-hmm. It's, wild it's, and crazy just nope. kind of you know even it's, keel it's very very even keel very steady um it's something that you could have anywhere with on any occasion yeah it's it's only 5.6 percent alcohol so you could have a couple during a football game or a baseball game and you know you won't get lost in your basement or living room that type of thing just because you but then why drink it that's the fun part <laughs> it's the day after is the problem <laughs> Um, no, it's, it's, like I said, this is one of my standards. I like this one. This is one of the first ones, um, along with, um, Boulevard Unfiltered Wheat that kind of started this whole craft That's, that's what it made thing. me think of, uh, was the, some of the Boulevard stuff mm-hmm. you had me drink when I was, uh, trying this. Um, it's obviously not making me want to spit it back out, <laughs> which is always you, step number one. I was going to say, you didn't recoil in horror. <laughs> Because that has happened. It has, absolutely. Many times, as a matter of fact. I I do know there's been a few times where as soon as it, you know, hit my tongue, I spit it right back out. Yep. Um, But no, like, it's it's, um, not making me want to vomit. Uh, But it's it's also not something where I'm like, oh, man, I can't wait to have a second one. Which I think is more the goal you're getting for is something where I'm like, I would have that again. It's more of a, like, I mean... I could drink it. I could finish it. Yeah. But I'm not just like... It's not yeah. your favorite. Yeah. But it's it's not... Which is why I set it back down for a second to get the good stuff. <laughs> Implying that this is bad, which I, which I disagree with. No, 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 no. It doesn't imply that it's bad when it's out of these two. That would be This would be the good stuff. I get it. Well, um, if it's out of this and, you know, one of those ones that I recoiled in horror, as you put... I, this would have been the good stuff if you compare those two. I, I, you know what? I can, if you really want one of those, I can find one. <laughs> well, <laughs> we may have to start doing this where I have a little bucket just in case, because <laughs> I know we've had a few instances of that. If if you want me to try and find stuff that will make you immediately spit it into a bucket for the for the amusement of your audience, <laughs> I well, I, that, that goes counterintuitive to your goal. Um, it absolutely does. But what I may do. <laughs> Just it's up to, to you. This is your segment. Just to mix it up on you. 
I may not even not. I may even, I might just say try this and see what happens. <laughs> I won't actually do that. If you do, we if if that ha- you wouldn't be able to tell me when it's going to happen, but you would definitely need to have a, a bucket nearby every single time now, just in case. Okay, so I know that you strongly dislike bitter things, and you don't like coffee in any capacity. Oh whatsoever. yeah, if you put if you bring me any beer with coffee in it, that is one that's definitely going to get spit back out. Okay, um, like so, Becca, like Be- my wife is Becca. Um, she has, uh, had, tried to have me try a few things here and there and where she's like, you can't even taste the coffee. And I, I take a sip and I'm like, bullshit, I can. Cause to me, I'm like, if you're someone who drinks coffee every single day, if you get some kind of a latte or something like that, you're, you're just so used to that coffee tone and whatever you're drinking hmm. that you may not pick it out as much. Whereas me, I don't drink coffee at all. I hate coffee. I drink hot tea. Um, so when I'll have one of her things where she's like, I don't taste the coffee. I do. It's, it's uh, that, it's that bitter, to... bitter yeah. aspect to it. Yeah. I do not like it. I get that. And now like with, with beer hops adds bitterness. That's just what it does. Yeah. Now you can have varying degrees depending on what type of hops you use and as well as how, how many or how much, um, this, at least for this particular example, very even keel. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not super bitter, but it's not super malty either. Um, yeah. like I said, it's like something I can drink and not die. There, there are some, um, so this, this is like I said, a variation of a English bitter that can trace its history back to around 1702 in England. Okay. That's, that's when that style started. It's way more malty. They used hops barely as a preservative, um, so it's it's way more bready in those type of flavors. IPAs came in when the uh, when England was exporting pale ales to India, and hops have antiseptic qualities to them. So they would load their bitters with more and more hops so that it would survive the trip, and that gave birth to the India pale ale style. Okay, um, those are way more hop forward, so they're going to be way more bitter. The trick with with making a good beer is having a balance between the amount of bitterness, the malt or the bread flavor, and the alcohol. Typically, if you have more hops, you're going to have, to balance that out, you have more malt and you have more alcohol. So that's that's the trick, is finding a balance between all three. There are some IPAs that are so outrageously loaded with hops that the alcohol is... To balance out the amount of hops they use, the amount the alcohol percentage has to go up to balance that out. Mm-hmm. So you're talking 10, 11, 12, 14, 16, 18 percent. I think I've heard you uh, talking about some of those sometimes that you guys picked up. Yeah, they're they're very strong. Um, I rather enjoy those. <laughs> Love that sound. I just heard it when I was taking a drink. I was like, hmm. <laughs> Again, another shout out to the ASMR fans. <laughs> um, no, like I, I rather enjoy those. Um, some of them, some of the really strong ones, taste like pine salt. Just, just the amount of like piney hops that they use. Oh, it's so good! I love it. I can't it drink. Tastes one. like pine salt. You're it's, like it's, it's, it's so it's, good. It's, it's like it's like it's like eating. It's like pine cones, and it's so delicious. I'm just like, how do you know it tastes like pine salt, and why are you saying it's good? It's it's so the pine salt one was one of the eighteen percent 
triple IPAs or quadruple IPAs I was talking about is from Dogfish Head out of Maryland. Uh, I remember you mentioned um, them before. Or uh, Delaware, excuse me. They're from Delaware. <clears throat> and again, because of just the sheer amount of hops that they use, and they're all piney hops, so it's going to be very, very piney smelling and flavored, you have an 18% alcohol to balance that out. So is that your Christmas tree beer? Oh, man. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> See, no, speaking of Christmas tree drinks, um, I, I don't know if they're going to do it this year because I haven't seen it in a few years. But, uh, I mean, as you know, I'm more of a, a liquor guy and I've, mm-hmm. I've historically been whiskey. Yep. Uh, and Jack Daniels had actually put out um, some kind of like cider whiskey thing. I know it came in a white bottle and it was around the holidays. I have no uh, idea what you're talking it, about. It's been a couple of years, so I can't remember exactly what it was. Um, I mean, it was, it was still a whiskey, but it had like some kind of flavors to it or something. I can't remember exactly what it was. But it had like, you know, like candy cane wrap stuff on it to make mm. it look festive. Like, like, a, like a Christmas set type of thing? Sort of. Like, I mean, it was the regular Jack Daniel shaped bottle, but it had like, um, it was just like the, the, the plastic wrap around it looked kind of Christmassy. Mm-hmm. And it was like white and it had something about like, God, I wish I could remember, like Tennessee cider or something. I don't freaking remember. Um, but I, what I do remember about it is like I always remember the, the bottle. It very, looked very Christmassy, and I always I would put that in eggnog, and it was so so good. Isn't eggnog like don't you, traditionally you add alcohol to that anyway? Yes. Okay. But this specific alcohol oh, that, that specific with that kind. was okay, I great because I've had eggnog with some other stuff. Like my father in law uh, gave us with. Um, Oh god, that the the whiskey that has they put like the fire stuff in um fireball? Fireball, yeah. Um they put stuff like that in uh and he put like a a cherry like bourbon or something in it mm-hmm. one time too. Um it just and those were fine. It just wasn't the same as whatever this Jack Daniels was and I can't for the maybe, life maybe it was of one me of those remember. one and done type of things and now you missed your shot forever. <laughs> well, maybe <laughs> it may have been a limited thing cause, but I swear I like I had it and then Within uh, like six months to a year later, Sixta got me another bottle because, you know, I liked it with the eggnog. So I was able to have it the following year, too. Mm-hmm. But maybe it was just leftover bottles that he was able to pick up one of because, granted, I'm not in the liquor store very often, but I haven't seen one of those in a while. I'll, I'll keep an eye out for you around the holidays and see if I can come across it. I don't tip, like, I, I like I like whiskey and Kentucky bourbon and scotch and stuff like that. I don't get it too often. Um but I, I, if if I do, I typically have a couple of different distilleries that I stick to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll, I'll keep an eye out around the holidays, and if I happen to come across it, I'll, I'll get you a Christmas present. Well, I, I'm okay with that because I, <laughs> I think uh, most birthdays you get me liquor anyway. <laughs> that makes me sound like an alcoholic. I swear I don't drink that much. <laughs> You're not making your case very strong here, Martin. <laughs> Oh, I don't goodness. drink a whole lot, just a little bit. <laughs> just to take the edge off, you know? <laughs> it helps me sleep, I swear. <laughs> All right. You want to break into the racket? Uh yeah. That hey, that's kind of a kind of a tough thing to do back in those days was breaking into the racket. <laughs> never never knew who you could work for or who you could trust. Yeah. So before we get into deep in this movie, the racket from nineteen twenty eight. This one I did write the director down, Lewis Milestone. Mm-hmm. Um, so both the racket and, uh, seventh heaven, uh, had more dialogue cards Mm -hmm. and didn't have really any narration cards. 
Uh, and so obviously with Seventh Heaven, I had no idea what was going on for a long time and who these characters were, what their motivation was, any of that kind of stuff. So it took a minute. Um, the racket is essentially a cop trying to take down a bad guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, and the that's... bad guy always being able to skirt the law and find a way to get away with what he's doing. That's that's what this movie is at its core. Yes. Yeah. It's... No World War One references. No. Nope. Nope. Uh, it's, it's literally just good versus bad, trying to take down the bad guy, but the bad guy kind of has the city wrapped around his finger. This this was another one that was based on a play. Really? Um, it's... Uh, so the it's it's from my understanding it follows the play pretty closely um but it's set in chicago um or some other it's it's supposed to be an allegory for chicago i think um during prohibition mm-hmm. and the the main character um mcquigley if i remember his name uh captain james mcquig mcquig so I was in the ballpark. Yeah, McQuig and Nick Scarcy. Scarcy, the Scarcy brothers. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Thomas Meehan, Megan, plays the, the the incorruptible police chief. Which I couldn't tell that he was incorruptible at first. So the movie starts with uh, Scarcy trying to put a hit out on him. Yeah. Like, essentially, McQuig is walking down the street. Some guy uh, in a, a window above is all like, it's kind of kind of a kind of a warning. Um, it was one of those. Uh, the way that I took it was so there were many instances throughout this movie where, you know, he's trying to you know give him cash or bribe him to look the other way and that type of thing, and he would always no, I don't want your money. Um, but it, it was hard for me to catch that at first. Yeah, because like they had the little hit that missed, mm-hmm. and I couldn't tell if that was a miss on purpose or what. As a warning, I wasn't sure. Um, because right after that hit, that miss, you know, McQuig's all looking around with his gun trying to figure out, you know, mm-hmm. who it was. And then Scarcy just kind of like steps out of the door behind him and just kind of like, you know, stop trying to break into the racket or whatever. And then, you know, drives away. Uh, and then like he's, he shows up and he's off, he's saying, Hey, come by the house. We're having a party and all this kind of stuff. So inviting him for all this stuff and doing stuff. So it took me when I was like, is this cop on the take? Yeah. And it took me in a minute, uh, to figure out no is like. What he was trying that? to tempt him, yeah, continuously, like repeatedly. Um, but the, the um, Scarcy, I'm assuming, was supposed to be an allegory for Capone, um, which would make sense. They were that's that's how Capone made his money was through bootlegging. Mm-hmm. Um, the it's it's that standard you know cop story where the they kind of play off of each other, and you, you have the immovable force, and then the um, what's what's the phrase? Unstoppable force, unstoppable force, object. immovable object. Thank you. Um, one of those types of things where they just mm. they kind of play off of each other. Um, and then you have Scarcy's little brother, um, Joe. Is that his name? Uh, maybe I don't remember. I don't think I wrote that down. Where you have <clears throat> the elder Scarcy who's trying to keep him out of the business. Like you know, you're going to go to college. You're going to do all this other stuff. Don't do what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Which adds a different kind of layer to his character. I mean, yeah, he's clearly a bad guy, but he doesn't want that for his for his for his younger brother. Yeah, um, who consequently was played by the same actor that played the the rat guy in Seventh Heaven. Oh, really? That's the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't remember his name, and uh, I'm just going to refer to him as the rat guy because that's, cle- that's that's clear. They were trying to 
a sewer rat type Let's go thing. Ninja Turtles. He's the rat king. Yeah, he is the rat king or splinter in this case. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, well, it the was... The rat king is actually a character in Ninja Turtles that, like, talk to rats. A rat king is also a thing. Is it? Yes, oh, okay. it's where a bunch of rats get their tails caught and they can't un- unlock them. It's called a rat king. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Don't know why it happens, and as far as I know, scientists don't know either. It just kind of happens. <laughs> it's the sewer worker down there just fucking with people tying their tails together. Like, they, ah! they, they do that a lot, man. <clears throat> don't know why. Um, but no, the the movie itself, like I said, was based, going back to the beginning, was based off of a play. It was during Prohibition. You have McQuig, who's the incorruptible cop trying to break up this bootlegging operation um, through repeated attempts to bribe or kill him. Um, from the Scarcy brothers, the the story itself, just overall, uh, overall, I thought was was fine. I mean, it's it's the same cop story that you've seen a hundred times. This was the first. Well, part. you've seen it a hundred times since now. Then. Yeah, back, back then, then that was that, that was somewhat original. Um, we had talked earlier about censorship, and in these different types of movies, um, this movie was not allowed to be played in Chicago because of how it portrayed the police department. Um, as stupid? No, as corrupt. Oh, okay. Well, it was like some of them seem stupid, but then, yeah, the higher-ups were corrupt, yeah. Yeah, because, like, you had um, uh, the Scarcy, bro- or the elder Scarcy would get arrested, and then there and would be a call come man. down from the old man yeah. saying, let him go, and then he would be let go, who was clearly on the take and was making money and whatever. But that this it portrayed them as corrupt, so they obviously this was Chicago. Yeah, that's that was where Capone made his money was in Chicago. They didn't want that all tying together, hmm. so they didn't allow it to be played in Chicago at all. That's crazy. No, so no, I, I what threw me is like I don't know if you noticed in the opening credits. It said presented by Howard Hughes. That and I yes. Was like, oh shit! Really? Yeah that that was um that was made by his production company hmm. um and. As a matter of fact, what we watched, um, so after um, that production company stopped making films, the movie was thought to be lost, like entirely, like mm-hmm. all existing copies. And we're going to come across that through this movie journey quite a lot. Yeah, we've already seen it a couple times with what we're going to be doing next episode. Um, so with this one, um, the the last existing copy, known existing copy, was in Howard Hughes's private collection. Wow. And they found it, I want to say, in 1992, when they were finally going through and cataloging everything. This was the last one, which I, I thought was a just fantastic, fun little fact. That's crazy. Um, same thing for... <laughs> I wonder if that's um, partially why it's on YouTube. Just if it's online, then it can just live forever. Well, it's it's um, because of when the movies were released. They're in the public domain now. Yeah. So as as of January 1st, if I recall, for both Wings and this one and I'm assuming 7th Heaven as well, they're all in the public domain. So you can post them on YouTube as many times as you want. Nobody can sue you for it. Hmm. Um, Wings was also one of those lost movies up until, I want to say the 80s, until like one copy was found in some random private collection, and it's considered the last one. And then that's when they um, restored it and then that's where you get the copies from now but yeah as far as the racket that that came from howard's collection that was the Hmm. last copy well it's a good thing he uh helped uh produce or not produce but bring this movie to to light this was also well before he lost his mind he was a very famous germaphobe 
um, wouldn't yeah. trim his fingernails and urinated into jars and kept them. Well, this is not the Howard Hughes podcast. No. That could open a lot of doors no, there. No, but it's just, it, it was one of those like, oh, that's, oh, Howard Hughes. Okay, let's read about him. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry, well, I didn't need to quick, derail it. No, you're good. Well, I want to make a quick note about the music because I mentioned the music in the last two. So, obviously, uh, with uh, Wings, it felt like the same mm-hmm. minute and a half, just loop of, yeah. you know, you know, dirt, 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 you know. Um, and then with Seventh Heaven, it felt like elevator music. I, I equated it to that Cisco hold tone. Oh, that just keeps, Opus like, number looping. five. Yeah. yeah. I was just kind of like, uh But this one, like, I was, like, tapping my feet to it. I was getting into it when the music on this one was going. It was, like, very kind of, like, upbeat, jazzy and stuff. And, like, the, there, there was There was one scene, um, and you kind of mentioned this for uh, where the music didn't quite line up with the scene. Um, so one, one particular sequence that caught my attention was, um, that, that birthday party that you mentioned that, that Scarcy was hosting for his kid, for his younger brother, mm-hmm. that he invited McQuig to come by to. Yeah. So he's, he's at this party and he's got his brother there, you know, there's, you know, dancing girls, there's champagne, you know, food, all this, all the fun stuff. And then his, his rival gang comes down. Yeah. With a uh, spike, I think it is. Yeah. Or, spike. Yeah. Spike Corcoran. <clears throat> um, so they, so his gang comes in and they start setting up shop around the room, um, with, which is obviously supposed to be a very tense scene because clearly they're planning something here mm-hmm. and you can see them. They got their hands on their pistols in their pockets. They're kind of not being very coy about it either. Um, there was one kind of cool frame during that scene where, um, the elder Scarcy brothers staring some, the 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 guy down that the the gang leader, and he had this shot where he had his hand down and you know clearly pulling his pistol out and it was just out of focus, but the bad guy was was the spike of it. I, I, that's why was, I did that. I was, and I was like, I know what shot you're talking. That about. was a cool the table shot. And it was just kind of like the gun kind of comes up and yeah. it's like pointing at him. Yeah, that was a cool shot. I like no, that. I saw that too. Yeah. Um, but the, that whole sequence, like I said, it's supposed to be very tense and they're, they're clearly plotting something. And that music is just so happy and playing along and it, well, see, that didn't bother me as much there because they're literally at a party, a party right. so, and there's a band playing right. right there. So I was like, yeah, the, the music nowadays, like, I get thematically it. Yeah. doesn't fit what's going on in the scene. It's not like, you know, kind of dark and brooding, right? but that was the music they were hearing. Yes. So it didn't stick out as much to me there. It, it's maybe it's just my own my own um, expectations just because of the movies that I've seen growing up. And whenever a scene like that happens, like you said, they have the very dark and brooding Mm -hmm. music, the very tense thing. Um, But it makes sense to have them with the band playing. I mean, just because like you said, that's what the characters are hearing. That's, it was tough for me to, to kind of reconcile those two because I had an expectation and this is what I got. Yeah. But it makes sense. Yeah, I get, that's I get that's it. the one I can let go because the yeah. live band was there. If not yeah. for that, I'd probably still have that little sticking point too. But yeah, <clears throat> it wasn't a sticking point. It just well, it, it was my own kind of hang up. I meant like stick, like it sticks out to you, like something yeah, yeah. seems off here. Yeah. Um, did you make the correlation with Star Wars? <laughs> no. <laughs> Obviously, they weren't doing something Star Wars because they didn't it was exist only yet. sixty years but no. before. <laughs> no, but they were sitting there and the music playing, and it kept going like, "Show this guy staring." This guy's staring. This guy's staring. So I just imagine, like, in, uh, what is it, um, is it Return of the Jedi? Where it's like, blump, don't, 
dun oh, just they... showing all the different people because <laughs> it, it went on for at least like two minutes where just show this guy and then show this guy and yeah, show yeah. this guy and they're just staring that that was a that's a that's a thing i mean clearly they've been doing for a very long time yeah, but i'm like it just it went on so long that it just made me think of star wars and how long that one went on i was yeah, just yeah. like jesus christ do something already they, yeah they they did it in uh the um the clinic uh good the bad and the ugly I think they had that whole standoff scene where not sure if I've even seen that. Um, they they showed one guy's face and then another guy's face and you know his eyes are darting back and forth and then another guy's face and he's doing the same. It's yeah. it's, it's been kind of a running um, shot for for a long since time. at least the twenties. Yeah, since at least the time. <laughs> it's been going on for a while. Hmm. Little drink break there. <laughs> oh, I even have it right here. Said, is McQuig on the payroll or trying to bring the bootlegger down? Because I couldn't quite figure it out for at least the first 10, 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, But, (laughs) so, (laughs) I wrote a bunch of this down. I got confused by some of the dialogue. Because obviously this movie is almost 100 years old. uh, And he was like, uh, has his his men buffaloed? And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? (laughs) That's, uh, I I don't know a whole lot of the lingo from around those times. But it is kind of neat to see, like, the the difference in in language. Yeah. And they mentioned the racket, which is obviously the name of the movie. But he's like, you know, get out of the racket. He's not part of the racket. You know, he's not joining the racket. It took me a while. The 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 racket means the, the, The essentially the mob. He's not part of this mob doing whatever we're doing. So I was like, that took me a minute. Um, uh, That's a horse on me. Is that like, that's my bad? <laughs> um, that's, yeah, that's kind of like, that's my mistake, my mess up, I did that. And there was one like, wake up, horses. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what does this shit mean? I, 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 it, you can kind of figure out, like, you mentioned that that's a horse on me, like, that, I, I messed that up. Uh, yeah, it's like, it's kind of like, fun trying to mean. figure out what the hell they were talking about. Uh, a swell flash. Um, depends on the context, I don't remember that one. Uh can't read my own handwriting there um and then they one time they banged my old man i think they mean like killed him bang is in as in a gun yeah but i was like they banged my old man i was like that has a different context now oh yes it does because <laughs> i got that too i'm like oh wait a minute jeff's gonna say something about that I know oh, yes, he is. He is. they banged my old man like oh was he a good lay i mean <laughs> what, what, did he have fun at least i don't know yeah i i uh I saw that one pop up. I'm like, I'm just going to say something about that one. Yeah. And then it almost seemed like sometimes like cuss words were like censored. Like maybe they were trying to cuss because they had the dashes. Yeah. yeah it yeah. would just say like, you know, what the, and they'd be like, uh, or like, you know, what the blank. And it had like little dashes like you doing or something there. Yeah. So, so like just for context, when the, 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 um, if anybody list is listening to this, um, I'm listening, go. So the, <laughs> when the dialogue placard, you know, with the, the black sort of matte thing with the with the words on it with the little border around it. They would have whatever that character is saying, but what Jeff was referring to for for curse words, they would instead they would just have two dashes. And you're just kind of supposed to fill in what they're saying without actually cursing. Okay, so I was wondering about that because there's a lot of the the placards when they're doing like dialogue had like little dashes all mm-hmm. the freaking time, which almost felt like they were like a pause. Um, but then like some of these and the racket specifically felt like they were like villains for curse words. Yeah. Yeah. They absolutely were because, because when they, when that placard would go away, you'd have that split second of the actor, you know, mouthing along with the dialogue that was on the placard and you can clearly tell what they were saying. (laughs) (laughs) 
So yeah, that absolutely was <clears throat> what they were doing. It's just like a rudimentary form of censorship. Okay, that makes sense then. Well, um, back to the story though. Like you said, you know, obviously uh, they were at that party, and then uh, the gun was on the table. Uh, Scarcy skill- kills Spike. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, and he's essentially let off the hook for it because when they grabbed him, he didn't have the gun because he like ditched it before he got up, uh, and they couldn't arrest him for it. But that all came after a uh, where Scarcy had moved in on Spike's territory, and that's why that was happening. Yeah, there was there was that whole big like there um, was like a shootout, yeah, a shootout like, in the middle of uh, the streets. And I wanted to specifically bring that up because once again, like the whole acting, I I literally like laughed out loud, had to pause it because I couldn't hear see what was going on because I was just laughing so hard, bent mm-hmm. over. When one of the guys got shot, he like it was bang, and then he goes. Again, again. again. <laughs> and I, I mean, I get it. You know, it's an old movie. You got to overact. You got to make sure like the stuff's shown properly. But just like, there's no blood, no nothing, and it's just like. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you got to over exaggerate, and that's what everybody did. <laughs> oh, I just had to go back to that because I literally wrote down death uh, scene. <laughs> no, no, I wrote down and I lost my fucking spot again. But like about the guy. Oh yeah, lolled at guy. Uh, oh no! This this was the guy. Dan- I, I, I had it twice. Lolled at guy getting shot, and there was a guy that was dancing at the party. Mm-hmm. So he was just like, <laughs> <laughs> so I was cracking up at that too. Uh, and then I literally wrote down five minute stare down. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a uh, again exa- over exact. You can t- you can kind of chalk that up to the acting of the times, as I, I guess I, I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe he was supposed to be comic relief or something. I, I don't know, but it, <laughs> stuff was definitely funny. So here's another thing that kept getting said uh, because he kept getting off. Um, and I know this is still used in law today, but oh, yes, yes, me yes. in words. Uh, habeas corpus. What yes. the hell is that? So habeas corpus is um, it's basically refers to um, illegal detentions. So I, I don't recall the specific wordings. But if the order came down, they kind of just used it as a get-out-of-jail-free card. Yeah. Like, oh, I got this signed by the judge. Um, basically stating that he, you you arrested him illegally and you got to let him go. That's okay. basically what that boils down to. Yeah, because that came up a few times. Because obviously he didn't get arrested at the party. Because he's like, I don't have a gun. I didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, and the fact that McQuig kept trying to come after him, he got transferred to the Sticks. It was that that was the um, his his supervisor's way of trying to get rid of this meddling policeman. Yeah. So I'm going to just transfer him out in the middle of nowhere and pretend he doesn't exist. Which I question how far it was away. Because while he was out there, uh, he was like, you know, kind of running his mouth out like, you know, uh, Scarcy's clearly scared of me because he got me transferred out here. Uh, and the newspapers were running that kind of stuff. Um, and then all of a sudden some of his lackeys came and were like shooting up the place. So there, so I'm like, it couldn't have been that long of a drive. I, I, I mean, maybe, <clears throat> uh, probably not that far. Um, my, my reckless, so you had, um, like they didn't come in to shoot up the place first, right? It was after the it was, it was auto after accident. He, it, it, um, I can't remember if it was after the auto accident or not, but I know it was before, uh, Scarcy knew about his little brother being right, arrested yeah, 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 yeah. before that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, the newspaper guys were there, which I didn't understand. They were newspaper. They, guys they, at they first. were following 
McQuig. Yes. Because he was in this very public feud with Scarcy, and they were trying to get a story out of him. Yeah, but I mean, like, for, like if he was transferred, like, you know, a couple hundred miles away, the newspaper there, at the time, I wouldn't think would have given a shit about it, and they definitely wouldn't have driven all the way up to a funeral for Spike to start mouthing off in front of Scarcy to get him to say something. So I was like, I feel like the sticks is, like, the city versus the suburbs. I think that's, yeah, that's, I think that's what it ended up being. The thought was that they just kind of, you know, threw him out in the middle of nowhere. Um, mm-hmm. In, like, um, in Hot Fuzz, when they, when they transfer, <laughs> you see what I mean? We're talking about the racket, like, all right, I'm going to reference Hot Fuzz. Well, I, I, I'm sorry, that was the first thing that popped into my head, and I love that movie. Yes. Um, but, but the power of Grayskull. Yes. But that, that was the idea. You know, they were, like, transferring yeah. him out in the middle of nowhere. Even though in reality he's, he's, it was he's a probably right now, go put him over there. Yeah. yeah, it was probably ten minutes outside of town or something like yeah. that. So far away. Yeah. It, well, back in those days, they <clears throat> didn't have a whole lot of cars. Most people were still in horse and buggies. So yeah. a ten-minute drive for us may have well have been the end of the earth for them. Well, they, they seem to have uh, at least the Scarzi brothers had cars. Yes. Uh, because to your point. Um, Scarzi was trying, his, his little brother was trying to, like, win the affections of this girl that was at the party uh-huh. that, from what I could tell, Nick Scarcy also liked, but I wasn't really sure about that. Um, you should have done it to the mic, man, so you get that nice little... Oh, sorry. I was, uh, you know, I was trying to be, <laughs> trying to be, uh, not, um, what's the word, cognizant of our audience, like, whoosh. <laughs> next time. Oh, I'll, I'll get you all next time. <laughs> um... But no, so he was, like, she wouldn't put out, essentially. Yeah. And so he was like, get the fuck out of the car. And just, like, kicked her out on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere until, uh, what was it, like a fireman or another? No, it was another it was, cop it was, showed it was up. another cop showed up, Another yeah. cop showed up and, like, you know, Miami, is she bugging you? You know? Uh, and then he saw, oh, shit, it's a cop, and just takes, takes off. off. Yeah, yeah. So then the cop starts chasing uh, him, and, like, he gets into, like, a... We got through like a wreck or something. Yeah, so that that was kind of a fun thing. Um, I when I was watching the film the first time, like I mean they're they're driving these cars down, you know these dirt roads going forty fifty miles an hour, and mm-hmm. then for the scar seat, like his his car veers off and he hits a barrier, and I mean these cars did not have any safety features at all, and yeah. I'm like, oh that's a really cool stunt. How'd they do that? And, like, you know, you'd go back and watch it, and you'd see him flying down, all of a sudden the car veers off, and then you just see the stuntman, end quote, I'll get to that in a second, Um, driving down, you know, just kind of flopping all around, you'd be like, wow, that's a really cool stunt. Yeah. And then I looked it up later, it wasn't actually a stuntman, it was a dummy. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, I, I, granted, I don't know how they did this, but yeah, they had that car driving 40, 50 miles an hour, and it just, they configured it to just kind of veer off and hit that that support post and they just had a dummy in it then there was no driver no stuntman no nothing which i i like oh that man that's that's really cool it looked real mm. and then it was <laughs> well okay um yeah but th- for that reason for that mm-hmm. car wreck that's why he initially got arrested yes yeah it was a hit and run uh yeah and he was like he gave like a false name at first and didn't mm-hmm. want to say who it was until um they found out that he was, you know, the younger brother Scarcy because the woman showed up and was pissed off at the guy, essentially. Yeah, she she was pissed off at him, and then the reporters recognized him, I thought. She actually told uh, the oh, she young told reporter. Them? She told the young reporter who he was. Um, and I think the young reporter is who, like, told I, I need him. McQuig. Yeah. 
McQuig. McQuig, yeah. Um, once they figured out who he had, then they're just like, oh shit, you know, keep a hold of him. Um, and that's when, you know, the big bad brother found out that, hey, you know, you've got my younger brother, Mm -hmm. you know, where there's about to be some shit. But, uh, yeah, that's when, uh, I think he came down, uh, to like, well, Nick Scarcy, the, the big brother came down to the police station. Yes. And was having a conversation with the cop who actually arrested him. That was Officer Johnson, I think was his name. That name I didn't write down. So if you've got it, I cool. think I think that sounds right. Okay. Um, well, either way, the one that arrested him, mm-hmm. uh, they went ahead and were having a conversation. And uh, Scarcy was like saying stuff about you know the cop who arrested him, and he's essentially like you know well that guy's me, and you know he's talking shit on Scarcy. Didn't know that that was Nick Scarcy right in yeah. front of him. Uh, yeah, because and... he, he never actually ID'd himself. He just said, yeah. I'm here to talk to a yep. a witness or something like that. And like, okay, for one, that would never happen. The police would never let a random guy walking in off the street talk to a witness to a crime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's essentially when Nick shoots him in the shoot, back. Shot him in the back, yeah. Uh, and then takes off running. And then, of course, uh, well, takes off running. They go get in the car and speed away. Uh, and during the chase, uh, Scarcy is caught and brought back to the station mm-hmm. and where McQuig is. And he's essentially like, you know, I've got you now. And that's when, here's what I couldn't figure out. Is this guy like the chief of police? Is he the mayor? Is he like, who is this guy that shows up to essentially Scarcy's telling this guy, like, you better get me out of this or my guys aren't going to vote for you in the upcoming election. That that was the district attorney. District attorney. Okay. Yes. See, I I was like, it was somebody who gets voted for, but I couldn't figure out who yeah, it was. That, that was that was the the district attorney. Um, so that's that's part of the reason he had like the old man, all this stuff in his back pocket because he had all his guys voting to get this guy in office, and he's like, if you don't get me out of this, you know, crime and you know habeas corpus, um, then I'm going to have all my guys vote for the other guy. Yeah, I I think the, <clears throat> I think the old man in this was supposed to be the mayor. Okay. I think. Now it, it's it's obviously a person of of a sizable power, considering mm-hmm. how like everybody just didn't they just referred to him as the old man. So I'm I'm assuming that's the mayor and the district attorney who was voted on, um, also kind of referred to him as the old man. Clearly, they didn't want to say his name or anything else like that because I mean you don't want to Im- implicate him. Right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that was it. Was the district attorney that that he was talking to? Okay. That makes more sense. Well, so district attorney and whoever other guy was with him were like, how do we get out of this? Because he's very clearly the one who shot the guy because there was a, a witness because the guy didn't die, right? No, the the, the patrolman did. Um, but no, it was the young um, it was a news, reporter. The young Ames. reporter who was kind of falling in love with the girl that yes. showed up at the station that yeah, you know, he, he kind of walked in at out. the last second and that's when like because it was right after that's right he, he saw him. he saw him run away yeah um so there was a witness and was like this guy did yeah, it. I, I saw him shoot him yeah um and, and so like how do we get out of this he's like you know we have witnesses you know there's a man dead right here and you know i'm supposed to let this guy go because you know i'm you know essentially being paid off uh so uh, the DA and the ADA or whoever the hell was with him, A-A-D-A essentially enforcer essentially put a hit on him. Yeah, <laughs> they 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 uh they set him up. Yeah, set him up to where Scarcy would be killed. 
Um, yeah, they, they told him, like, hey, we, we opened the, the window so you can get out. And then they left an empty gun mm-hmm. on there, knowing that he would grab it and then try and draw on people, trying to make his way out the window. And then that's when the, the DAs, or ADA, just shot him in the back. Yeah. So that, that, that's how they got rid of that problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it's kind of fun seeing the double cross there. Like, this guy's turning into more trouble than he's worth, and he's threatening to name names. So now we need to get rid of him. Yeah, and then, I mean, I can't, I can't remember. Did uh, McQuig ever get to go back, or did he have to stay in the... I don't think he ever... They never referenced him going back to the city. He was just kind no, of like, no. so hey, just, the bad guy's dead now. Yeah, it was just, uh, Scarcy's dead. And he made some reference that he was going to have to stay overnight because he had to talk to medical examiners and other people. And then yeah, because he's saying he's really tired and yeah. he's already been up a lot, but he's got to stay up for that. Yeah, and then it's over. Yeah, I mean, this is a this is another one where, since there was no kind of like narration type cards, there was a wasn't a whole lot of backstory or character development. Um, and for me, it took a little while to figure out who some of the people were and kind of what their motives were. Um, some I never did because obviously I didn't know who the DA was or who mm-hmm. that guy was, um, and it was a it was it felt a little long on this one too, but it was only like an hour forty. Yeah, I know. The other like, two to me, like longer. this one felt like like it needed to shave off, you know, maybe fifteen twenty minutes, but it still felt like at least on this one, like the story was like it, it kept going, mm-hmm. like uh, it wasn't like with Seventh Heaven where I was like nothing's going on, like can you? move the story along this one felt like the entire time like i understand the story i don't necessarily understand all these characters and what they're doing but i get the main two uh and that story is kind of cooking along the whole time Mm -hmm. until finally the bad guy's dead yeah and so i mean for that reason like i i actually kind of enjoyed the racket um for what it was obviously i mean i mean i'm not going to go out always necessarily hunting down silent films but I understood this story, and it was something that I I felt that I've seen you know probably a hundred times. Yes, yeah, it's, it's but it was still enjoyable yeah. enough that it was like, hey, I get this, you know, good versus evil, you know, trying to take down the bad guy. Um, I don't know, I I liked it. It, it was it was fine, um, at least uh, to. Hmm. So when I watched it, it was um, it was a restored copy. Um, soundtrack was redone and all this other stuff. Um, it was it was fine. I, I I'm I liked it enough to that I'm not like that I don't feel I wasted my time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it was this was also the first one that I watched out of these three. And me too. It this this goes to like I'd never like I mentioned when we first started I'd never actually sat through an entire silent movie before trying to get used to a lot of these concepts like with the the dialogue placards that would pop up and you're trying to kind of gauge what the hell's going on who's saying what that kind of took me out of the experience a little bit because i'm Mm -hmm. trying really hard to like figure out what's happening yeah um it got easier as time went on for the other two movies that we watched um i liked this one i may go back and rewatch it with a little bit more of an appreciation for these types of movies. Um, but I, I mean, overall it was, it was fine. I, it was, it was a well-made movie, it had some, some big name stars from, from the silent movie era. Um, but it was fine. I liked it. It was yeah. okay. It, it was weird that, uh, the actor that played McQuig 
had a constant smirk on his face. Yes. No matter what the situation was, somebody was being shot at, somebody was dead, he was trying to say that I'm better than Scarcy, but he's always just like... He was kind of one of those guys, <laughs> like the well-named actors of his day. Um, mm-hmm. It's Thomas Megan or Meehan. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, but he, he was in a bunch of silent, different silent movies and had okay. a career going up until, I want to say the 50s. So like okay, he, he so transitioned, while, yeah, fr- transitioned from. He this... wasn't one of the guys that got to the talkies and like that's what your voice sounds like. Yeah, We're done. no, 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 <laughs> no. Um, the uh, um, it's they... so weird saying the talkies. That, well, that's, that's what they were. That's what they were called then. Was was talkies? Um, but yeah, his his career started in silent movies and then kind of moved on to that. Okay. I want to say he died in the sixties. I think. Yeah, well, I say well, one good thing is like I did look up when was the first you know movie with actual dialogue sound and when did it become and then i was like and when did it become mainstream so we've only got a few years of having to do this and then like it transitions to well the the jazz singer came out in 1928 and that was al jolson was the star in that one yeah but from what i looked up it like it became mainstream in like 32 yeah it it took a while so i was was... like we only got to do a few years of silent movies (laughs) then we'll get some actual dialogue yeah it's kind of neat like the jazz singer came out the same year as as some of these movies, but yeah. um, it, like you said, the technology was not widely available. Yeah. No. Um. So the final question we have to figure out, though, is like we watched three movies. Yeah. We got the Oscars Best Feature Film winner, which was Wings. Wings. Yep. And then uh, the other two films that were nominated were, of course, The Racket that we just talked about and yep. Seventh Heaven. Mm-hmm. Which was your favorite out of the three? Ooh, that's a tough question. Um, hmm. Uh, just knee-jerk reaction, I'd probably have to go with Wings, yeah. actually. I mean, um, I know you didn't like Seventh Heaven a whole lot. Um, I thought it was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, again, probably not something I'm going to rush out to go see again, but I... I enjoyed it. Um, the racket again may have been um, skewed because this was my first experience to a full silent movie. Yeah. Um, but I, I, as far as my favorite, I'd probably have to go with Wings. Okay, so you would say probably in in your opinion, the Oscars got it right out of um, those three. Out of those Wings three, yes. Um, but I think <clears throat> it won. Wings won specifically based off the like the aerial shots because that yeah. wasn't something that anybody else was doing that at least that I'm aware of. Um, it was an ex the dog fight scenes were actually exciting. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you're like, I was, you know, kind of caught into it. Um, for the other two movies, I was, you know, I was paying attention, but it, uh, the, aside from some cool shots here and there, they, they didn't grab my attention as much as wings did. Yeah. So for me, when it comes to like, whichever I'm going to pick is my favorite um, for what should be the best feature film. To me, it's going to be all about story. Okay. Uh, I understand that maybe they didn't have categories like best cinematography or anything like that back then. Um, and I agree, like the, the portion of wings with all the aerial shots and the, the whole army, um, like not army, but you know, the, the war part of the movie, uh, I, I think is great while a little long, mm-hmm. but I think it was really great. But I think since I'm focusing just on story alone, uh, I think the racket just narrowly for okay. me beats out wings. Just for the fact that um, the racket is like a, a an enclosed story, 
where I didn't have like, well, they should have really done this and this and this and this. Whereas with Wings, I'm like, take the whole love story out of it and throw it to the side because it yeah. had nothing to do with the the actual main part of the movie. Mm-hmm. And if not for like, if not for that, if 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 they didn't have the whole love triangle and uh, all the stuff with you know Mary and Sylvia, Sylvia. um. I probably would say Wings because uh, just the idea of a story of, you know, two guys that are rivals that eventually become friends and then one tragically dies at the hands of the other uh, by a, a misunderstanding. I think that's a great story. But the fact that they had all that love triangle, loved square, whatever the hell you want to call it, because there was two women, two guys in there, um, that was a huge detractor for me. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the racket, it's literally just like, hey, I'm a cop. You're a bad guy here who's a, a bootlegger and trying to essentially have most of the city around your finger. And I'm the one guy on the force trying to bring you down. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to, like, everything about me is I'm going to take you down. Um, was it necessarily the the best of the movies when it comes to cinematography and you know, beautiful shots and segments? Yeah, no. th- there was a lot but of But the story pieces. alone, yeah. Yeah. I was like... That's a story that's like very clean cut and didn't have stuff that I felt like I needed to pick out and throw away. So for that, I'm saying for me, the racket narrowly beats out okay. wings. Okay. Then those are, those are all sound opinions. I mean, it's um, which none of them matter because none of our opinions really matter. Nope, mine certainly <laughs> don't. Um, no, I, I I totally see your points and I, I see where you're coming from on that. I, I I I could I could see. I mean, depending on like who's watching them, I could see someone picking either one of them. I mm-hmm. mean, if you really like love stories, then Seventh Heaven may be your preference. Or if yeah. you like more of the action type of stuff, Wings may be your thing. Or if you like the crime dramas, maybe the racket's your, your ball game. Yeah. And I mean, I, I could go for any one of those. It's just, um, just so I can get, <laughs> well, I'm starting out saying that I'm always going to try to stick with what has the best story that I don't have issues with when it comes to the Oscar sections of mm-hmm. them. Uh, but I can't say that's always going to be the case. There might be other times where I'm like, this one had problems with the story, but I just loved the movie so much. Too bad it wins. <laughs> um, so it sounds like for our very first, you know, 1928 Oscars, we have one for, yes, the Oscars got it right. Mm-hmm. One against. Mm-hmm. So one and one. Yeah. Uh, at this point, like if anyone ever listens to this, they'll just have to let us know if what they thought um and we'll let us know in the see. comments yeah let us know in the comments <laughs> like and subscribe um <laughs> uh so at this point we need to decide what we're watching uh for the next one which is going to be uh based bo- on box office the box office so right. it's still 1928 okay. um this one's gonna be slightly different in the fact that for the oscars obviously they go from like the end of 1927 to the beginning of 1928 and those are the ones who are eligible for the the right. oscars that year mm-hmm. For the box office, we're looking at literally came out January 1st, 1928 to December 31st, 1928. What had the highest box office earnings for that year? We'll watch that one. And then of the next uh, four or nine, so the the top five or top ten, we'll pick each pick one based on um, what the description is, which... If you have your phone, I'll have you pull them up on IMDb. Um, read through the descriptions, and obviously based on the ones that we can find, because we've already looked up some of them, a and they're lost are, yeah, to the they're, world. They're just gone. They're, they're just, there's no way to watch them. They, they, at, throughout, I mean, you got to remember, these movies are almost 100 years old for 1928, uh, and some of these are just gone forever. You can't do anything about it. But any of them that are available, we're going to pull them up on IMDb, have you uh, read out whatever the description is. Mm-hmm. Um, 
well, first, I obviously read the first one that the box office winner is and what the description is. We have to watch that regardless. And then based on the rest of the three, you and I are just going to pick one. So the um, box office winner that year was a movie called The Singing Fool. Which actually I could probably do this while you're pulling those up. Which also stars Al Jolson. Um, the uh, synopsis reads, A singing waiter and composer, played by Al Jolson, loves two women, played by Betty Bronson and Josephine Dunn, conquers Broadway and holds his dying son singing Sonny Boy. Okay. That's what I got. <laughs> so that was a singing fool. It, according to this, made $3,821,000 uh, that year. And that's what the box office winner was. Uh, the next one is, was that Street Angel? Street Angel, that is correct. Let's take a look here. Street Angel. A woman on the run from the law finds her past catching up to her just as she is on the verge of happiness. Again, story that you um, you see 100,000 times. Yeah, yeah, that seems like it could be interesting. Uh, this Lilac. Oh, actually, first Street Angel has 1.7 million. That's crazy to think that some of these have earned... In the millions back in 1928. Well, we'd have to keep in mind inflation. I mean, oh, that, I wonder if these numbers take inflation into account. They, do not. they don't. They do not. Oh, so it earned even more than that. Jesus Christ! Like, uh, I mean, I know movies nowadays if it only under a million dollars, like that's a freaking bomb. But just thinking back on the money, that's a, that's a lot of people going to those movies. Well, I mean, back in those days, a movie costs what ten five cents, ten cents, <laughs> something like that. But I mean, their money was worth a lot more then than it is now. Yeah. All right, and we have Lilac Time. All those handsome young men and their flying machines are billeted <laughs> in a field next to Widow Berthelot's farmhouse in France. I'm sensing a theme here. Janine is curious about the young men fighting for England in World War One and their airplanes. Uh, where did we go? Oh, wait, this is a full plot summary. Yeah. This isn't just a synopsis. That's the whole thing. That is. <laughs> Well, it's another World War One movie. Sheesh. Well, again, this was nine years after the war ended. Yeah, I know. Uh, so that one has one point uh, one million six hundred seventy-five thousand. And then we have four sons. Let's take a look there. Well, so we're gonna watch the the winner. Yes. The most and then we each get to pick one. So okay, so we each get so. And we, out of everything I've heard so far, I have a winner in my head. Uh, but we still have quite a few more to check out. So we have Four Sons that was in 1928. A family saga in which three sons of a Bavarian widow go to war for Germany. And the fourth goes to America, Germany's eventual opponent. That could be interesting. Ooh, that could be fun. Directed by John Ford. Um, that's that's what I want to watch. So you haven't even read the others? And you already I don't even Four Sons? care. John Ford is amazing. Okay, okay. We'll, we'll still read through the other ones. But yeah, Four Sons, 1.5 million. We have Noah's Ark. Well, here actually, since we, I'll go highlight that since we know that's what your pick is. <laughs> well, I mean, it's Noah's Ark. It's the biblical story. I know, but read the second half of that sentence with a parallel story of soldiers in the First World War. We're going to come across that theme a lot. But Noah's Ark does not take place in the same time as the First no. World War. So I was like, how in the heck do those tie together? No, 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 no. One, two, so that's the top five. Okay. 
So you, uh, we have to watch The Singing Fool, so we'll be checking that one out next uh, time we uh, meet up here. You wanted to do Four Sons, which definitely sounded interesting. Had three sons fighting for Germany and one for America in the World War. It was also directed by John Ford, who won the Oscar for Best Picture four times in his career. Okay, okay. Um, I think I'm going to go with Street Angel. Okay. So... Next time we come together here, we will listening or not listening, but talking about uh, the Singing Fool, uh, Street Angel, and Four Sons. So that is the number one, number two, and number four uh, spot for the top box office draw of nineteen twenty eight. Mm-hmm. And then we'll do a very similar thing again. We're going to go through, talk about the movies, give our thoughts on those films. Uh, you'll have another beer for me to say why I don't like it. Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, I don't know just, if I want to find something more towards what I think you'll like, or if I just want to keep going the opposite direction. Just, just get worse you, and worse. Just to see you spit in a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you do you, man. That's your that's your part of the segment. So, all right. Um, but yeah, those are the three films we're going to talk about, um, and we're going to kind of give our opinion that while the Singing Fool was the top earner at the box office. Do we actually think that that one was the better of the films and deserved to be the top of the box office? Do we mm-hmm. think some of the others were better and maybe should have had more people go see that instead? Okay. Uh, so we'll figure all that out in our next episode. But other than that, I'm Jeffrey. I'm Tony. And this was Film for Thought. Thanks for stopping by. <laughs>